For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Mail are calling it summer's last sizzle. If you think of low 20s as being a bit of a sizzle next week, then that's what we'll get. But there's still time, they say, for a little while yet to do a bit of sunbathing or do a bit of beach visiting as Met Aaron forecast temperatures of... It- further away from coasts and up the country I suppose, 22 to maybe 23 degrees. But the top story that's been dominating much of the news and indeed, uh, you know, if it's not all to do with money and bills going up and what have you it's the uh, theft of the car with a little baby inside. It dominates many of the front pages. Certainly the red top headlines have things like Jack and Coke as in hijack and Coke. I'll tell you more about the Coke in a minute. Baby hijack suspects Coke haul. They found 350,000 euro worth of drugs when they searched the house after arresting this guy, car thief dumped baby face down on the path and sped off as a headline uh, making the star today. And the mum of the baby chased the hijacker who took the baby. So what we know is uh, mum gave chase when the thief stole the car outside a house. There was a nine-month-old, her nine-month-old daughter, little girl, was strapped into the, the back seat. Now, Gardy subsequently arrested a man. He was spotted driving the swiped Skoda Octavia in Dublin's Finglas area then in the early hours yesterday morning and he was lifted because there was a warrant out for his arrest on another matter uh, and he was bailed at the time uh, and then they immediately arrested him on suspicion of hijacking. Uh, by all accounts, the son says that they've learned that when the thug realised the infant was in the back seat, he took the baby from the back of the car, placed her face down on the footpath um, and she was rescued then by three passing girls. So after that, of course, uh, the Gardaí found a suspected €350,000 cocaine haul as they searched the home of the suspect in the robbery of the car with the baby inside. I mean, it's an incredible story. Thankfully, uh, baby is reunited with mum and dad. Uh, and uh, all is well in that regard. They got an awful fright and an awful shock. It could have been entirely an awful lot worse. And my God, if he'd crashed it or anything like that or God the child on the side of the road anything could have happened Um, there are other children making the papers today and it's to do with those who wish to avail of a school bus Um, uh, schools are heading back of course and we'll see uh, many back over the next week or 10 days but something in the region of 18,000 families will be left without uh, a place on the bus and we touched on this yesterday morning on air because they decided those that make these decisions the school bus places would be free so then there was a record number of people applied for the school bus um, 130,000 applications for 112,000 places so what about the 18,000 that won't get a bus place that's why they call it a school bus lottery and I could well be talking to people later this morning perhaps your good self who hasn't a place for a child on the bus because they decided it would be free, but they didn't provide enough for everyone. You got it. Meanwhile, other numbers of interest front of the Times say that we now have a record number of people working in this country. 2.55 million, just over 2.5 million people. Uh, And most sectors of the economy are still crying out for even more people. Uh, to join the workforce. So it's an interesting one making the papers today. And also then, uh, you're never too far from the Robert Troy story. I won't say much more about that. It's been done now, except that they've learned from it because landlord politicians, according to the Irish Times today, may have to make even more declarations. And one of the declarations they may well have to make in the future is that if they have any housing contracts at all with local authorities, they will also have to state that as they try and increase uh, you know, I suppose um, ethics really within within government and with, for politicians, I suppose, the way I describe it. So if they have a contract with the local council, which could be HAP or they could be renting to the council, they will have to say that. But they need a lot of help. They really and truly do. And the Mirror says that a website that was set up to give TDs 
easier online access to what's going on in Leinster House. So could you imagine this now in the private sector? So just set up this website so that they could access, access everything that's going on around Leinster House ended up costing 1.88 million euro. I mean, the private sector, no matter how big the company was, could never fund a bill like that to set up an, an online portal. So, you know, your, your access to different things in Leicester House as a politician would be made easier. 1.88 million euro. They, and, and that went over budget. They actually put aside a budget of 1.78, which is in itself an astronomical amount of money. Um, it's insane, really, isn't it? At the same time, of course, many people are finding more and more bills going up. And that's why papers today talk about the next one now to watch out for, unfortunately, it could be uh, waste firms and uh, refuse collection because the Independent on its front page gives an example of the first of what could be more to come, where panda recycling has uh, Apparently 360,000 residential customers and they're set to increase the bin lift charges and they're afraid that there's more of that to come with other waste collection services. Uh, Talking about collecting money, you might remember the original GoFundMe that was set up to aid Ukrainians with regards to vital medical supplies and ambulances and ventilators that were then delivered abroad. The amount of money that that was raised by Irish people topped 5 million, according to the mail. The Irish raised 5 million on GoFundMe to aid Ukrainians. We had passionate conversations on air yesterday regarding Ukrainian immigration and refugees and those fleeing war coming to Ireland. More on that a little later on. But locally, a couple of interesting ones. You know St. Kevin's, which has lain dormant for so long, formerly a psychiatric hospital, one of a, a few that we had on Leaside, massive big buildings. St. Kevin's is, is uh, attached to uh, an even bigger uh, hospital on the uh, northern channel of the Lee. That's going to be turned into 265 social and affordable homes. And the work will begin very soon. So let's get on with that. It's a good news story making the front of the echo. And also, we were chatting on the air about um, uh, car registration plate technology that recognizes the number plate. They have this in the UK and it's been very much rolled out there. So it's going to happen here as well. Uh, and there's a photograph and a story in the front of the Echo today saying that this kind of technology, and it's been placed at checkpoints now on the Middleton to Cork Road, will allow the Guardi's new automatic number plate recognition technology. And the guards can instantly, using this technology, identify any vehicle that isn't taxed, insured, nor has an NCT. So there's no kind of, in the future, I suppose, there'd be no need for checkpoints and stopping every one and looking at the windscreen. The automatic technology will do that. It'll ultimately save lives because we won't have as many cars perhaps going around without NCTs, but every car should be taxed. And, and so therefore, they're going to get people driving around without insurance and without tax, and they're going to be fined for it. Um, and I understand that an awful lot of people probably these days are taking a bit more of a gamble because they just don't have the money to renew all of the things that they need to renew. I get that. Uh, talking about somebody who has no problem renewing car insurance or tax or NCTs or anything, Emma Raducanu, who won the US Open last year, a complete and utter outsider. And the amount of money that she has earned, she had a bad year. I mean, she, she certainly spanked uh, Serena Williams on the court last week. But other than that, things ain't going so great for her uh, on court. And her on court earnings are a paltry three million. Uh, but her off-court earnings are incredible. Um, when you total everything, her earnings come to, um, when you look at it in dollars, 21 million. When you look at it in sterling, 18 million. And her sponsorship is just mind-blowing. Nike, Wilson, Tiffany, Dior, Evian, British Airways, HSBC, Porsche, 
Vodafone and Sports Direct, to name but a few. She's big box office business off the court. Mind you, um, Roger Federer doesn't even play tennis these days. He only has a bit of a knock around, but he's certainly not playing any competitive tennis. But he was still the top sports earner uh, last year. $90 million. Despite not playing a competitive game in 14 months, of course, all of this is made in sponsorship. In the year alone, 90 million. And you see that Australian nightclub that's brought in new rules and regulations. Uh, they, have an, they have a lot of them already. But there's a new one now where a nightclub in Australia has warned that it will throw out customers who are caught staring at someone without that person's consent. Apparently, you will have to go up and ask for consent and ask, is it okay if I stare at you? If you don't get that consent, then Club 77 in Sydney will throw you out. So, on a serious note, it's to update their policy on zero, zero tolerance on harassment, including unwanted attention from strangers. But it has to do now with being thrown out for staring at someone. And with Food Fusion, uh, never too far from this program, and indeed today being a free food Friday, they say that the most popular food on the planet is pizza. Did I read somewhere recently that in Italy, one of the big international pizza chains had to close down because Italians weren't going in there. You know the big pizza chains, the ones you hear of all over the world? Apparently Italians are a lot more discerning than getting a pizza in one of those, apparently. Uh, So that chain had to close. Um, But anyway, the the story has to do with what you put on top of your pizza. And apparently you can put anything on top of a pizza, including chips and gravy, including anything that you've got left inside in the fridge, including fish fingers or indeed sausage with applesauce. But the one thing that I just want to say with regards to pizza is you do not need a pizza oven. There's a lovely tip in the sun today saying that a frying pan with a lid, a frying pan with a lid will serve just fine as a makeshift high temperature pizza oven. Um, if you don't have an oven or you don't have a pizza oven outside in the garden on the patio, whatever it is, that the frying pan will do just fine. And one other tip, actually, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but you know, if you, if you get fresh, um, if you get fresh pasta or indeed, say you get fresh ravioli, you don't have to boil it. You can pan fry it with butter. Perhaps you've done it already. Perhaps not. If not, then try it. It's amazing. You're listening to the number one talk show in Cork, The Neil Prendeville Show. It's the best in Cork. On Red FM. Not the... Not the Neil Prendeville Show. Cork's number one talk show. Pure Cork. On Red FM. Not the dried stuff now, the, the fresher stuff. Actually, just one final thing. I love this story that makes this morning's uh, online news. Redditor sharing the story of a teacher uh, who said that her dog ate her students' homework. We've all heard the story in the past and we were younger in school, I don't know, primary school, secondary school. Sorry, teacher, the dog ate my homework. But apparently this teacher, uh, the dog ate all of the students' homework. Uh, my son's dog is staying with us at the moment and he ate an entire newspaper last week. I mean, an entire Saturday newspaper. Absolutely ripped to shreds. Not a bother. Actually, you know, with all the news that's in newspapers these days, I'm sure I wasn't terribly bothered about it. But it'd be much better, actually, if the dog... Say, for instance, if the teacher was marking leaving certificate exams, leaving certificate exams, right? And the dog ate all of the leaving certificate exams. That would have been much better because it would have meant that all of those sitting that exam would have to get an automatic A, wouldn't they? 
Anyway, text 0868-104-106. Call's on the way. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. If you're expecting a lot of feedback uh, and certainly pushback with regards to yesterday's conversations on air um, vis-a-vis Ukrainian refugees, you'd be right. More about that uh, throughout the course of the morning. But can I just mention, I'll chat to Paul in two seconds, but it's a free food Friday as well today, courtesy of ourselves in Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So we've got a whole load of starters, main courses and desserts from Roosters. It'll feed at least 15 of you. I'll tell you more about the food a little later on, but you need to start texting or WhatsApping who you are and where you are. Text 0868 104 and we'll start those shoutouts in about a half an hour's time. So good luck with that. A story that I want to update with from earlier in the week is a house on Copley Mews, just off Copley Street. There were four lads living there. Um, and then they got a letter which directly came uh, through different channels uh, from Cork City Council telling them that they had to leave their home. They were there for the last two years and they were being offered instead a bed and breakfast accommodation. Uh, among the tenants, there were four lads there and they had all different issues going on in their own lives. One cerebral palsy, another suffering from severe epilepsy, another lad with the severe depression. Um, but they were happy out where they were living and then this letter came along. So there was four of them. Three of them have now left, but one remains. Jamie is still there and Jamie has received an updated letter from Cork City Council saying he's just got to go. Uh, and it's a fairly heavy hitting letter actually. It lays it out in detail. Uh, I'm joined by uh, Jamie's brother Paul. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. You've seen the letter, obviously. Oh, I did. I, I was here the minute I came through the letter box yesterday at half okay. four. And it's saying, he's got to go, and if he doesn't go, there will be consequences, right? Yeah, the consequences are that um, if he refuses to leave, he won't be provided emergency accommodation after it, um, which, which is a bit disgraceful, you know. It's not on the council, the council like, they're not looking at this in the humane side of all, like, yeah, but they do say in the letter, though, uh, just parts of it say, when you moved into this property, you were advised that you could be moved when requ- required to alternative emergency accommodation. The property you are occupying is emergency accommodation, which is short term and not subject to a tenancy agreement, as in, we're putting you in there, and they did two years ago, but you'll be asked to go at short notice. Did he know? Did they know that? Um, I don't think Jamie knew that, but if they're stating that, Neil... It's, they're saying that the emergency accommodation that Jamie's in right now, it, it's, it's short term. Why was he here for two years? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, that's long term in my eyes. Yeah, yeah. The system, the system in the council is disgraceful. They're, they're, they're not looking at it, at the human side of it. Jamie's a human being, he has needs. And they want to throw him into a B&B that doesn't meet Jamie's needs. So if he went to an B&B and the other three lads have already gone, have they gone to B&Bs? Um, yeah, they're, they're going to be in these. And what about all of their clothing and their footwear and their utensils and things they had in that? Where does all of their stuff go? Into the B&Bs with them. Into the room? Into the, into, into the room. Um, my son Jamie gave, gave just, just a 59-year-old man that was here. Um, we t- give him a hand with his stuff. And he, he has a lot of stuff. Did he have a lot of stuff? Like to fill a he car, kind of? Yeah, he to get a van. So everything in the van then goes into the B&B bedroom? Yeah, yeah. Then, then as you go in there, then you, you to live out of bags. Live out of bags? If they, if they want to wash their clothes, they have to drag from wherever the B&Bs are. And I'm sure they're down Western Road. They have to drag 
they washing from the Western Road on their backs all the way down to the Vincent Hospital, get them washed, and you might be waiting a day or two, and then you have to drive them all the way back again. So how's the lad with cerebral palsy going to do that? I'm at 59 years of age. You know, it's, it's a joke. Another part of it, can you explain this to me? Uh, Cork City Council say they have sourced B&B accommodation, which is available until Monday the 29th of August. What does that mean? Basically, that if Jamie doesn't take the offer of the B&B, that they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna cut that out if he refuses that. And they, they, they're, they're not going to give him anything after us. They'll just, they'll just cut him off the system completely. You know, which is it's 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 a disgrace, like because J- Jamie has knees, and they're trying to put Jamie into a B&B. That doesn't mean his knee. He can't, like as you said, about the washing and dragging him down the road. That's not good enough. Yeah, and he, yeah. even like eating, cooking, eating. You know, it's it's a disgrace. Would you say there so, are many people living out of bed and breakfast bedrooms? Um. There is a there is a lot. Would a they have lot. children with them? There, there will be there will be families in them. Yeah, you know, I was talking with somebody on Wednesday whose uh, children go from a bed and breakfast bedroom to primary school every morning. It's it, it, that's going on for years. Yeah, okay. years and years and years, and they're they're doing nothing about it. I even know people that have been in B and Bs for two or three years. Okay. Why do they want the house? Is it a three bed? Four bed? It's it's a four bed okay. um, property. What? They what? want they want they want the house to put um another family in here as an emergency. But if this is emergency accommodation and Jamie's case and all the lads that were here, that's a, that's a, that's emergency as well, like yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. What is Jamie going to do? Jamie received a letter yesterday. And myself and Jamie sat down and we spoke, and Jamie's still not leaving. Yeah, so they will withdraw. He'll stay there. They'll withdraw the offer of the bed and breakfast. Will they cut off his hap? They'll cut, cut him away from all services, everything like that. Okay. You know, but it's, it's a joke, it's a disgrace, because you have Jamie here, he's standing up against the system that the council have in place. Because it, it, the whole system needs to be turned upside down and it needs to be rebuilt from the ground up. Okay. okay. They're not looking at it. They're not looking at it at, at, at the human side of it. Okay. They, so, they need to look at people instead, instead, and, and chat people instead of looking at a name on a list. Okay. What do they mean when they say failure to vacate will result in us advising the management company of your failure to vacate their property? And they will follow up with appropriate action to ensure the return of the vacant property. So what, what does ba- that mean? Ba- basically, the council are denying that they're evicting Jamie out of this place. But they'll get on to the, ho- the, the housing agency and advise them that Jamie's uh, failing to move out of the property. But you see, they can deny the eviction all they want because... They know the route that will go, and it will go down the route of an eviction. Yeah, but how does that eviction take place? Does it involve a court order? Does it involve um, um, bailiffs? No, I believe myself 
that it would have to be done legally because they, they, it's only 32 years and I think I think he would be entitled to 180 days. Well, they're saying no because he was told it was emergency accommodation from the off and that there was no tenancy agreement. You might That mightn't fly for you. But you, would you be expecting a knock on the door where people would physically remove him, ultimately? Well, physically remove him, I don't think they can. I think it still has to go into a courtroom. Okay, so, okay. And if that does happen, then Tattoo will be involved. And, yeah. You know? Yeah, Tattoo are the organisation that represent people like Jamie who are struggling for accommodation and what have you. And does it play on his mind or yours at all that he's the only person now in a four-bedroom and a family it, are in desperate need of it? It does, Neil. Like, he, he didn't go to work all week because he's afraid, he's afraid to go out the door to work because in case did locks and changed on the door yeah. or to know. He's afraid, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But the council, council have him in here for two years. They're saying that it's not long-term accommodation. You know, it's, and there's no one, there's no one speaking to Jamie directly from the city hall. Yeah. So I get back onto there. them again. I did. We were onto them. Got a response saying that it, they don't. It's not their property. That they're not technically the landlord, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But this letter directly came from Cork City Hall. So this is but, this, it's the APS they, they, office within the council. And they put Jamie in here. Yeah, that's Hello. it. Yeah, right. Um, we'll keep an eye. We'll keep. We'll go back onto them again. See if we can get an update. Um, not that that will change anything. But he's not for moving. He's not moving because okay. he's he's afraid that if he if he moves into a and b that the, the APS can throw him out of the B&B and he has to go back into the Vincent's Hospital again. Right. Now, and is that where you are, Paul, is it? It is, yeah. No, the Vincent's Hospital, it's, it's not a nice place to be. You get up in the morning, you go to the bathroom to brush your teeth and you vomit inside the sink. You urine on the floors and you have human feces everywhere on the floors as well. You have needle boxes inside the bathrooms as well and they're full to the brim and they're not even changing them. Needle boxes for what? Heroin, heroin users, addicts. Inside? Inside, inside. I, I contacted the council about that and I'm supposed, I was supposed to get contacted by someone from the council right. about that. So, so you, you, the, you, you, do you spend much, that's, that's Anglesey Street, isn't it? It is, yeah. I, I barely, barely, I don't stay there during the day. I get out because the smell inside there is, is revolting, you know, to be honest. But you see, you the council council will put people in there. They don't have to go in there. They were never in there. They just, yeah, it's a lovely place going over there. Could it be a lovely place if the hygiene was better? Well, it's, it's, it's an awful lot of work to fix it. Even showers, all the showers in there and all are broke, you know. As in they don't work at all? Do, do you know, the holders to hold up the shower. Yeah. They're all books snapped off the wall. So it doesn't you know. sound as if there's a whole lot of maintenance going on there. No, there's no, there's not. Yeah. There is not. Definitely not. Would we no, be able to visit there and walk around it? Would Seamus we be able to go in and have a look? Do you think? I don't. That I don't know. Um, that's that's up to the manager inside there. Okay. 
Okay. You'd have to do that. Yeah. Can we, let, let, let's do that and see if we can maybe pay a visit and see if that's yeah. permissible or not. But how long have you been there? I'm, I'm, I'm not there long now, but I've been, I've, I've been there previously and in and out of the system myself for years. Council, you see, it's not just Jamie, it's that there's, there's a load of people in this situation, but, you know, it's, it's not nice. Is it possible um, to be in there and go out to work in the morning? Are you a working man? It is. It is, you know, but it, it's still a struggle, Neil, you know. It's, it's a struggle. Hard to motivate yourself. It is. It is, of course, you know, and it's, that's not just me and Mary, that's where the lads in there, they're working and they're trying to get on with their lives, hoping that the council will give, give them some place. But the council will leave you there and they forget about you and... You know, like there's fellas in there in the Vincent's now and they're, they're in and out of that system for 10 years or more. Yeah. You know, yeah. the council, the council, they, they don't, they don't look at the human aspect of yeah. it. You know, and then when, when the likes of Jamie then stands up and fights the system, he did, he's been knocked back down and he, he's not given, he's not, he's not been given a fair hand, like. So what, what would happen if three other people moved in with them? Did you contemplate moving in with them? Well, I did. I, I, I tried to contact the landlord and I was told he couldn't speak to me. Over no, GDPR no I know that. I mean, I'm not saying that you would do it with permission. Yeah. I'm not saying you do yeah. it with permission. Yeah, um, I, I, I tried to contact him. I told I was going to ask him, would he accept the half? Because I'm entitled to it. Jamie enti- would be entitled to it. 877 I, euro won't get you much. Yeah, I, I know, but I two friends then as well that would take would gladly move in here. Yeah, I know. I know. They're in the same situation. What do you do for What do you do for food then from in, in Vincent's? Where do you eat? Can you cook? The Vincent, Vincent's would do food and stuff inside, but most of it, like I said, they most most of it. I try to buy the place during the day, so I wouldn't really be there for the food. Like, why is the food good? I. I I never really tried the food, you know. So where do I you eat? I've eaten anywhere in around the city, McDonald's, yeah. whatever, you know. But it's it's just a joke, you know. The system needs to be turned upside down and rebuilt from the ground. All right, listen. Will you stay in touch, Paul? Will you? I will need. No Absolutely. Do come back with any updates, Paul. Yeah. All right. Take care for yeah. now. No matter. Cheers. Thanks. Take care. Very good. Text 0868104106. We'll pick it up after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 0868104106. Gorks Red FM. You might recall my conversation with Paul, who's living in a tent out the Mardike. Neil, I was listening to your interview with Paul. No wonder he's homeless and jobless, where the way the country is going. I'm trying to juggle two jobs look after family members and attend college part time. I work with severely autistic clients. I get bitten kicked, spat at, roared at, hit, mentally and physically draining, all whilst trying to save for a mortgage. I just got my monthly pay slip and my wages for this month worked out at €10.20 an hour after tax. That's for a qualified person, nine years in the job. It is nothing, nothing short of an insult. I've worked all my life and hardly have a penny in my bank account while trying to pay bills, run a car, save for a mortgage, pay a loan and live. This country is a joke, except it ain't funny. 
and people are really feeling the pressure of it. No wonder everyone our age, mid-twenties, is leaving the country. Would you blame them? It really is beyond a joke. Uh, and then a lot then on issues like that. Listening to the story on homelessness, what annoys me is the people that get a council house because they can't afford a mortgage. That's fair enough. But then their circumstances change and they could well afford to buy their own house. But they continue to live in these council houses and end up paying very little rent. Nothing compared to the mortgages everyone else is paying. I think that the council should review and means test residents every few years. And if they can afford to buy a house in the council, they either do it or move out. It would make more money for city council and free up houses for those in need. I know this firsthand from people that are in a position and it infuriates me. They're on twice my wages, driving the best cars and still living and paying little rent for their council house. These same people are the first to complain about the housing crisis and homelessness. Please don't give up my own details. Uh, and I won't do that. Just wondering why are we still taking people from Ukraine into Ireland? Just heard on the news bulletin that the football season is starting in Ukraine and only a quarter of the country is at war. What about the hotels and other accommodation that's free in the western part of Ukraine? Why isn't that being used to house the people fleeing east of the country. We constantly hear about inflation in this country, food, electricity, heating and diesel, the housing crisis, student accommodation crisis, the hospital crisis, the schools crisis. Yet we're bringing more into the place to house at a huge cost to the state and the taxpayer. Why can the government find money for Ukrainian refugees but nothing for our own people? The government needs to be removed and an Ireland first government needs to be put in place. And from yesterday, um, a very big response to this, actually. Uh, I may well come back to phone calls on it, but a huge response by way of emails and texts. And how do I even how do I even begin um, to describe the response from yesterday? Well, all sorts of different opinions. Uh, those that felt um, that uh, my interview with Derek Bly was too hard and too tough, which which I don't believe it was. I think it's my job to keep things balanced. If I were not to, I can be guaranteeing you right now there would be broadcast complaints going in against me because of not being balanced. It is my job a lot of the time to um, take the opposite view. Um, and, and sometimes you have to push back in regards like that. Not everybody agrees with that, um, but that's what I have to do. I have to try and keep some balance on it. But there was a big response to it, and some of it was quite emotional, I have to say. I'm going to read this one out to you, um, and it's one of the more... For me, aspects of this email are quite shocking. I don't mind the personal abuse. I'm big enough and ugly enough to deal with that. I mean, part of the job is is to take a bashing. I understand that. Uh, but parts of it are, are quite disturbing. Um, but it's from Katrina Tyrrell. She says, you were not balanced interviewing Derek. The hate narrative you used in the interview shows you up as a media whore. You threw every lefty NGO government slur at Derek. What he is saying is true. We have hundreds of thousands arriving into our country while the Irish are forced out. As well as multinational employees, we have fake UGs and asylum seekers, courtesy of NGOs and the Irish government. You set up several straw men arguments, pathetic, trying to tear Derek down over Ukrainians driving Porsches. Actually, my Lithuanian mechanic said, yes, they do drive Porsches, Teslas and high-end Audis. He pointed out one woman in a white Porsche outside Jack White's and Britus in May. I can verify this as my car had broken down and the mechanic who came pointed out the Porsche with the Ukrainian reg going past. I too thought it was a fairy story before that. But anyway, Derek said they had Porsches and got free transport. 
You weren't fair, purposely misunderstanding him, filibustering, talking over him, overbearing. The point anyway that Derek made was that Ukrainian passports are being flashed on buses for free transport. I saw that myself. The attacks and name-calling, people were using terms like white supremacist, racist, you unleashed, and those subliminal suggestions are intolerable. Nobody looking at this situation in Ireland can be happy with our country being invaded. One in four here already are not Irish. Apart from discrimination, and this is quite disturbing, forgive me for saying this, apart from discrimination against the Irish, it is actually, is it not damaging our homogeneity? That's incredible. There are advantages to having homogeneous societies. Why do Irish use the excuse that we're in the EU? Poland doesn't bend over. Lithuania doesn't. Lithuania has 2 to 3% immigration population. Poland has 3% non-Polish population. Romania, 2.9. Why is Ireland the fog guy? 95% immigrant Dublin North City Centre. Uh, rising 30% non-Irish here. We're net contributors to the EU, not net recipients. We paid 42% of EU banking debt. Why are we expected to keep bringing in people to the degree where we are becoming a minority? It is only to virtue signal. If all the immigrant men arriving as asylum seekers are not officially Ukrainian, where are they coming from? Even in this town, we are flooded with non-Irish men, non-EU. Where are the thousands of army-aged men filling, why I suppose that should be, uh, filling the Red Cow, the Grand Hotel, Butlins and all our hotels and fake UG centres? Over 90% of asylum seekers here fail the process and they stay anyway. We are too soft. Over 100,000 refugees have been housed. Over half of the HAP payments are to non-Irish. We need to end open borders, repatriate illegals, send them home. Anyone who's broken the law, why should our prisons use Irish taxpayers for immigrant criminals? Nobody is looking for a scapegoat. This is not just 52,000 Ukrainians. This is 1 million immigrants plus and a never-ending stream of non-EU immigrants and fake UGs arriving endlessly while we have a housing crisis. Up to 80,000 Irish forced out. Derek's point stands. Irish are on the housing list 15 to 18 years. But watch African, Chinese, Eastern European, Middle Eastern, South Americans getting housing while the Irish are overlooked. The Sweden rape capital of Europe statistic is actually right. It used to be the most peaceful country in the world before mass immigration. You are a creep. You wouldn't continue with a caller about Bilderberg. Unbelievable. The issue is not balanced. Our country is undergoing mass uncontrolled immigration. A tiny country cannot take uh, an uncapped, unvetted influx of people. I think there has to be a line drawn in the sand and we need to stand up for the Irish, whether or not the NGOs or the traitors are pleased. You didn't come across well. Pathetic, transparent jibes intentionally directing the conversation to the same tired narrative. Stand up for the Irish, make a claim on our homeland. You are a wasist. And nobody in virtue signalling Ireland can bear it when lefties call them wasists. You intentionally tired an Irishman, not nice. Actually, you are a traitor. In your heart, you know that Derek is right and you can reflect in leisure on your part in the rape of Ireland now. You may not have censored Derek like many media whores do, but your treatment of him and labelling was horrific. The next few years will show the truth in the worst of his fears. 
Your last caller was great, though, um, calling out the traitors and the landlords serving their own agendas, sending in those disparaging texts and messages. Um, Katrina won't hear this this morning because she says, I won't listen to you again. I reserve the same contempt for you I have for Mehole, the NGOs and everyone else selling out scumbags. Is Misha Katrina Tyrrell, who, because she's not listening, never got to hear her view or her version of events or her opinion or her thoughts read out on the air. And I tell you what, in one, in one regard, she is right. There are many that wouldn't even read texts or emails out like that. There are many who wouldn't even talk on the air to, uh, to Derek Bly. I did. Um, I'm not looking for any kind of clap on that. I'm looking for not I'm looking for any accolades. Um, but I, I certainly don't engage in any way, shape or form with regards to muzzling people with opinions. Um, I want all opinions. But my job then is to keep balance. That's for sure. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 Red FM. Okay, quick call this side of uh, 10. Pamela, good morning. Good morning. Um, do you actually, you, you've sent me a photograph, do you actually use that bathroom? I have to, that's the only bathroom I can use. Yeah, but that's, that's going to make you sick. It has made me sick. I've been in the doctors a number of times due to this. I mean, literally, the toilet and the cistern are rotting and falling apart and probably breeding some very dangerous germs in spite of you trying to clean it. Yeah, sure, I'm bleaching it all the time and they grow back constantly all the time. Okay. And um, they're not going at all, like it's dampness in the bathroom. Now, and, uh, I don't want to know the specific address because I'll get grief from your landlord, right? Um, but yeah. they, the deal here is that you are living in the home in up around Glen Ryan Road um, and the yeah. landlord has it led to the council. Yes. Right. Okay. So they pay substantial. Any idea what the rent might be? Because I know you're getting assistance. It's like through the it's through the res. You see, so like from us, we're paying twenty four ninety, but it's like eight hundred and fifty altogether for the flat. Okay, it's a flat, is it? Yeah, it's like a, an apartment. They call it a one bedroom apartment, as they say. But the thing is falling down. It is. It's falling down. The floors are on level. Um, it's all tilted to one side. I goes, um, the woman fell down the stairs across the way from me due to the carpet being ripped on the stairs. She done injuries to herself. Um, the man underneath me has no water for two years since the COVID started. He has no water completely. He's got dampness up his walls where he sleeps and everything. So it is a very bad condition altogether. What's he done for water or no water for the last two years? How does he cope with that? It, he comes up to uh, his neighbours, he comes up to me and the woman across the way and we give him the water. Uh, there's, he's fighting to get it done all the time okay. and everyone is ignoring him and ignoring us. Okay. So um, are all of these different apartments owned by different people? No, they're all owned by the same person. Okay. And they'd all be making eight fifty a month, is it? Yeah. And has the council ever come up and visited and seen the shocking conditions you're all living in? Yes, the council has come up uh, about three months ago and they had given the landlord an opportunity to get all this work done and in 20 days and nothing has been done at all. Was it even started the work? No, no, nobody has come near us, nobody has contacted us, nothing. How did the council describe it? Did they send tradesmen up? 
they, they, they said nobody up at all. They just went around, examined all the flats, wrote down whatever, and said that they were in bad conditions and gave 20 days for the work to be done and nobody came near us, nobody done nothing. Did the and council, so when they visit, describe the conditions in which all of you live in all of those apartments as unlivable? They did, yes. They said that they were unlivable. They were in very bad conditions, yes. So in spite of the 20 days coming and going and no work being done, zero, yes. they still continue to pay rent to the landlord? Oh, they still continue to pay rent to the landlord and uh, nothing has been done whatsoever. Sure, we'd rubbish out the back that wasn't collected in months and it caused rats and the whole lot were coming in the hallway and it was very bad altogether and we were just getting ignored when we were calling. And have they said that they've been in touch, actually spoken to the landlord since the deadline ran out or anything? Is he contactable uh, no. or she contactable? No, the, actually the landlord has signed it over to a new company where a new company is a manager now. So they haven't heard anything, which the council are saying that they haven't heard about new management or they haven't heard from the landlord himself. How many people are living? How many apartments in total? There are six apartments in total. Okay, and one is as bad as the next, right? Oh, yeah, one is as bad as the next, yeah. But they still and continue to pay something in the region of maybe five grand a month in rent for them. Oh, yeah, and there's nothing absolutely done for that money. Uh, so the, the woman across the way from me, her boiler comes on when it's switched off, and her flat would be uh, like a sauna, and it don't go off, and they told her that it was very dangerous because they could catch on fire over the boiler doing that, and they chose to do nothing about that also. So they need, they need to turn the heat up on that landlord, don't they? Really? Oh, they do, yeah, but they're just not doing anything. They're just ignoring everything we're doing. We're after going to TDs, the whole lot, everybody. We've been in contact with the council constantly, and they're just ignoring us completely. Like they're saying they're giving the landlord this time, but there's nothing after being done. It's exactly the same. Like, you know, we can't bring family members into the building as if they do, they could fall downstairs. Because the so you keep people away. Hard. It clearly it's hard enough yeah. living there. You certainly wouldn't be inviting anybody in if the no, council describe it as unlivable. You wouldn't bring grandkids or nieces or nephews into right. that building or yeah. family because they could fall over the floor and they could fall down the stairs. So you'd be terrified to bring anyone in. But at this building. stage, are they gone beyond repair? Are they condemned? Should they be oh, just it's knocked? Gone, it's gone. Re- re- it's gone beyond repair. Like you know, it just needs to be. The whole building would have to be started because the flooring is on level. It's going to one side. The walls outside are damaged on the actual building itself, like where it's cracked. So it is ready to come down, like, you know, so there is no repair to do. It just has to be restarted the whole lot again, like. And, and like, they've been paying rent to this private landlord for, I don't know yeah. how long, at 850 a month for a one-bedroom apartment. Um, and it's been in rag order for quite some time now. Do they ever inspect? They, they don't inspect because, like like I said, the landlord never comes to this building. Um, when we're texting him or calling him, he's saying he don't receive any of them. Um, and the council don't really come out, to be honest. Like, they you know, just pay like, the rent, not knowing the circumstances yeah. of where people are living. The circumstances yeah. in which you're living there are absolutely horrendous. Oh, they are, yeah. Like, I'm living here over six years and my neighbour's here over ten years. And, like, it has always been like this and we're fighting constantly to get it done. Um, so so it for ten years, at eight fifty a month or what have you, for the different apartments, six of them, 
Yeah, these, yeah. these conditions are the conditions you've lived in for a decade. Yeah. I, I, and my neighbour is actually here, the woman that I'm talking to you about, if you want to talk to her as well. I'll tell you what I do. I see how I'm fixed. I may come back to it after 10, but I certainly will be getting on to City Hall wondering why they pay rent for situations and places like this that should be well, condemned. Like that, that's what we ask ourselves. Why are you paying rent to, for these conditions and letting people live in them? Like, I wouldn't see the council come and spending their nights here no. putting up with what we put up with. Like, gotcha, you know, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Uh, hang in there and I'll put you back to Seamus and see if your neighbour has much to add to the story. Back after 10, text 0868104106. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red ah, FM. Free food Friday, courtesy of yourselves in Roosters, Perry Perry, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. You will receive food that will feed at least 15 of you. It shall consist of starters, consisting of chicken wings, chicken skewers and beef skewers, a selection of mains, chicken wraps, chicken pittas and beef burgers, and uh, the Perry Perry sauce. We also got for you the Perry Salted Fries, rice and waffle fries and all of your mayo and your garlic mayo and then for afters your own cheesecake which you can organize the topping for yourself so you build your own cheesecake with kinder bueno sauce and kinder pieces nutella and smarties and crunchies and all sorts of things like that you fancy some of that food yourself for the weekend roosterspiripiri.com they're at douglas and blackpool retail park so first bunch of shout outs in for lunch on mccurtain street working very hard would love some free food instead caremark in cork on the tremor road had a long week especially for the poor boss Seamus we could all do with a good munch says Charlene to everybody at the mental health services for older people in St Mary's Health Campus give a big shout out to the lovely team I work with says Emma the Brothers of Charity Day Service staff EMH Technical Services are listening the hard working electricians in Greenmount would love some grub Broderick's in Barrick Street who are saying goodbye to their fifth year pharmacy student today and would love food for the send off Guard Engineering in Middleton Horgan's Garage in Kerry Pike Loftus Demolition and Recycling in Dublin Hill Cabana Lifestyle on Kinsale Road I've actually seen uh, their uh, cabins their fab Air in Churchfield the fulfilment team Premier Auto Parts in Paula Duffer listening uh, SETI Builders in Glasheen Road Party Store Systems wanting to Sarah and all of the gang um, Motherway Agri would love food today to feed the lads working in the fields GRP Roofing Supplies in Tremor Road are listening everybody who's working at Tusla in St. Finbar's Hospital good morning to you RPC Haulage in Grenada hard working lads Doyle Shipping uh, in the Port of Cork Power aggregates and carry tool, and finally for now, Lehan Motors on the airport road. So keep those shout outs coming, uh, who you are and where you are, to 0868 104 106. Calls on the way. Talk to Neil Prenderville now, 0818 104 106, Cork's Red FM. So you don't want um, um, any kind of an emergency up in that apartment complex that could lead to a fire, and there could potentially be a fire up there based on one particular story. I was chatting with Pamela there, and she was going to hand me over to our neighbour Geraldine. Geraldine, good morning. Good morning. If, if you've been there 10 years, have you been in your own flat for 10 years? I have, yeah. Okay, and when you moved in there 10 years ago, what was it like? Were you put there by council, was it? Yeah, I was put okay. there by council under a rash scheme. Okay, and what was it like 10 years ago? Oh my God, no, I'd done it all up myself, but it was like uh, if there was an elderly man living here or whatever. But this apartment block was a party block going back years ago, Neil. What's that mean, party and, block? Like, 
I mean, he had loads of young police living in here and they were all partying and then the girls got involved and then, because he'd uh, get them all out of there. He'd get them all out of there and then he stopped putting us in here. Okay. And, Okay. Near 10 years. And the rent's being paid by City Council month in, month out for the last 10 years. Oh, yeah. Even oh, though yeah. the conditions you're living in are shocking. And you were told oh, that yeah. your boiler is actually a hazard. It's a hazard, it's a danger to the block. So I turned it, I shut it completely down. Right. I had to because I would go out and come in and the boiler would be, all the rads would be blazing hot. Yeah. And I wouldn't have been after turning it on. Yeah. So there was a fault. Now, he he knew about it and they'd done nothing. So then when the council... So a plumber never called or a boiling engineer, boiler engineer never called to no, service no. it or... Yeah. Oh, well, well, there was a Jimmy Fix that came up about five years ago. That would be the landlord's kind of a fixing man yeah. that thinks that he knows it all. You know that people free. have to be certified and licensed to go near those. You know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You well, can't have well, any Jimmy Fix it messing with a boiler. Yeah, well, he was, he did. And he, uh, just not alone my boiler. Okay. Everybody else's boiler. Okay. He had no trade. Now, the, Pamela did hunt him from her apartment and they left her with a boiler where all the pipes hanging out. Right. And no water for two days because she turned him out because he had no quality. See, I don't want to be hearing about an electrical fire there, you know? Or I don't want to be yeah. hearing of carbon no. monoxide poisoning no. there, right? Now, they asked us that, the council, the minute that came in, said, have we got fire blankets? I said, no. Had you ever fire blankets? I said, no. Have you caught by binoxide alarms? I said, no. He said, so there's nothing. Jesus, I, said, I tell no. you, Geraldine, would you spend 10 or 15 euro and get a carbon monoxide alarm in fairness? Oh, but no, I have my own one now. Okay, but I mean, good, he's good. on about fire. He's on about fire alarms now. I, I, no, fire blankets. And he said, within 20 days, my boiler will have to be changed. Now, that's three months ago. Come on, me, like. Then the rubbish, as I don't know whether you see the photographs or not. I haven't seen that's the photographs of rubbish. I see collapsed roofs and the interior of the apartments oh, and the dampness yeah. and the toilets. And it's, I mean. Now, if you would see Pamela's mushrooms that's grown in her bathroom out to toilets. Why is there, I know, I've seen them. I mean, like, they're so, on the toilets. I never, I'm 62 years of age. Okay, I here's the photo. Who owns that? Who owns all of those skips and bins full of rubbish and the bags all over the floor and the ground and the, the concrete? Who owns them? The, now, the, we're paying for our rubbish to be collected through our rent. Yeah. On our lease. It's written on our lease, okay? And he just refused to have the rubbish collected. We rang him, we texted him, we apparently uh, emailed him. It was there for nearly two and a half months. And then our rats started to come in. No, so we can't sleep it or our rats now. We're so used to having them. They're walking around in our ceilings. We can hear them at night. And there is no body cares. We've went to TDs. Now, the only time but I... But does the council not check and double check and stay on top of these kind of things? They are paying oh, they taxpayers' did. money month in, month out for this. Yeah. yeah, and they did say they'd call back, but they never did. So who ultimately then collects all of this rubbish? And there's loads of bags. No wonder there are rats there. Yeah. Who clears yeah. them away yeah. eventually yeah. When, they, when they build up? When the council came out and then Pamela started sending in emails to them with photographs, they got, they come up then and they took the whole lot away. So the and council they, then they come along and do the lift from time to time? Yeah. No, it's not the council's job. Because on our lease, any problems the landlord is have, has to okay. see to that. Okay. 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 Now, I can't see how the council haven't pulled out 
of the rash and let the to the landlord because this landlord is a joke. He's so they know, I know, let's not get overly personal because I do have to hope to try and contact the landlord and also get on to city council because on many levels this is all wrong, notwithstanding the fact that you shouldn't be living there in the first place. But the council are quite happy or content to continually pay the rent for it when they shouldn't be paying rent on those properties. Exactly. But maybe it's just that they have nowhere else to put people, that they're willing to allow you to stay in these shocking, uninhabitable conditions. Oh my God, that's ridiculous. I mean, you'd have to, I, I really, really, people need to come up and have a look at this. They wouldn't believe us. They wouldn't believe people are actually living in this. That people this. in our city are living in these kind of conditions. No, it's, it's 2022. What's wrong with them? Yeah. Is it, any wonder, is it any wonder that there was so much pushback and so many emotive texts and calls yesterday about people exactly. coming into the country and the conditions I mean, in which the Irish are living in? I understand I, I am, twi- uh, no, I'm 62 years of age. So mind me, there's younger people living here. There's a boy living downstairs. And since the co- before the COVID, he has no water, no running cold water. We have to fill kettles of water to get that boy so that he can have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. Nobody's listening. He has to go to a friend's house to have a shower. What kind of carry-on is that like? But there was a 21 day warning, wasn't there, that work must be can't commence? If we hadn't the jobs done within 20 days, they will come back out and we haven't seen them. And we'll come back out and do what? I don't know All what right. they were going to do. Okay. I had sent Texas back into the council saying, look, they weren't done. I'm going to be near my worries now. I'm 62. And I've had a bad accident in this apartment block over the capper on the stairs. Now, do I look at this, right? I'm going to be here now for the whole winter with no heat. Because you can't turn no. it on or off. You can't control it. I can't turn it off. I can't control the heating. I can't. Yeah. I just can't leave it on or on. No, I just can't. And if I do need to have a shower, I have to monitor, run in, have the shower, run out, turn it off, there is a piping hot one in second. And who pays for all of yeah. that to heat the complex? I pay, I pay for my own gas. So that would cost you a fortune if you can't turn it off. Exactly. I'm paying 60 euro per week to the gas company. And you, I'm, I'm you, on disability. You'll pay a lot more than that this winter? I, but she says I can't put them on or off for the winter. All right. I won't be able to do that, right? Yeah. It's just... And everything is electric, th- electric in this apartment. Everything. Do you know what I mean? And I just can't, I can't understand why he's just not doing anything. Okay, well, let's see if we can find out. Let's see if we can find out. Uh, It might be today or tomorrow, but at least people are aware of it now and we can make some calls, certainly with regards to City Council, who actively are taking apartments that are flats that are not fit for habitation and paying good rent on them and they just seem to turn a blind eye and turn their back on. And I think if you guys weren't really on the ball and minding everything up there, there could be a disaster in that building. Oh, well, look, I tell you now, You're being I responsible. I have eight grandchildren. I can't allow them down here. Because all the banisters, they're all gone loose. They're all falling off. The banister sticks. They're all just gone loose. If one of my grandchildren falls in, in, in here, I never forgive myself. I know what you're saying, yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah. And it's so unfair that I can't have my grandchildren come down here. 
It's so unfair. Thanks for sending me the photographs. Thanks for coming on the air to both yourself and, and Geraldine. We'll make some some calls. Be uh, stay back, stay on hold there because if you have any contact with the landlord, they'd like to share them with us, and we will see if we can make a call yeah, there. Well, as well. I can. Okay. Uh, well, I, All right. I can okay. again. In, in All right. Don't tell me anything on the air. Just just tell us off air. No, the, the council will just not. Uh, they have been trying to contact the landlord. The landlord is not answering. All right. Well, then so stop paying stop. the rent then. But should we do that then? Shall we go through our rent and then we'll be up to our ears in this? No, it's the council should stop paying the rent. Stop paying the rent. You want to get something done? Don't pay. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. You should do that. Okay, hold on there, Geraldine. Thank you for now. And also to uh, Pamela, back after the break. Text 0868 Text on the way. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 104 Red FM. Okay, uh, that was a sassy message, Neil. That email from Katrina. I don't think you deserve to be called names like whore and stuff. A bit rude, in my opinion. You're only doing your job. Love listening to the show. Thank you for that. Um, it amazes me uh, when I give an opportunity or a attempt to give people an opportunity to talk um, and not engage in censorship that I get I get uh, savage for it. I mean, people need to remember words like moderate and mediate. You have to have an, a, a, the ability to moderate conversations and debates. You have to be able to mediate, but at the same time, giving everybody an opportunity to have their point of view heard. So uh, if I'm guilty of that, well, so be it. But what do you want then? Just a free-for-all? Just a massive pylon. Uh, love the show. Regarding what Derek had to say during the week, uh, I have to agree that he is actually right. Number one, Irish should always come first in Ireland. Number two, it should only be babies and mothers here or really old men, which is not the case. Number three, you said that they came with nothing. Go to Killarney and behind the Plaza Hotel car park, check out the Unreal Ukraine Reg Mercedes, Audis, etc. all parked for free. Number four, they have free pool and leisure centre entry, which I can't afford for me and my family to go to and I'm Irish number five they don't have to pay for parking in Killarney car park area number six free clothing and toy shops for Ukraines only in Cork and a big one in Bandon what about the Irish kids who need clothing and toys number seven the majority of Ukrainians have plenty of money coming here and free hotels free everything and now have bank accounts that they can save their free money in I saw this in the credit union the country needs to wake up and sort all of this out it's not the Ukrainians fault but our government and people says James you are so right in one regard that the government found the will and the way and bent over backwards to help those who I still believe are in need uh, but we're incapable of doing this for our own I have said that numerous times even in conversation uh, with Derek Bly. Uh, I was recently in the social welfare office with my parents uh, who were renewing their public service cards. She's 85 and was put through 45 minutes of questioning and was practically shaking after it in the social welfare office. Whilst I was there, everyone else that came in was non-national. One was a Ukrainian who was living with an Irish family but wanted to know could she get HAP if she were to rent somewhere. Uh, how in God's name do they even know about HAP when they have more or less just landed in the country. Another woman was crying. She was so worried about what she was going to do. Yet I saw her in the supermarket afterwards and she didn't seem to have a care in the world. I'm sorry to have Ukrainians. I'm sorry to the Ukrainians, but you can be certain many of them will never go back to where they came from and they and uh, when they see what they can get here. Okay, so I read that out. And watch the grief that I get for reading that out from people who don't agree with that text. Uh, you are not obliged to, ra- to read out or engage with any racist, inflammatory people. You choose to do so. 
Yeah, so, I mean, what am I supposed to say? Okay, we're not going to talk about that. We won't go there. That topic is off limits. You know, this is not happening. You know, uh, there, there are, there, there's nothing to see here. Well, well, there is. And this all started, of course, from the uh, shop, which isn't a charity shop that was opened in Merchants Key. It was a hub for free stuff only for Ukrainians. Derek Bly had an issue with that, went in there. I don't have an issue with the fact that he had an issue with it. He's entitled to as a citizen of the state. It subsequently was closed uh, because of his visit and they have to check on the legality of giving things only to one section of society and precluding others in need. All right. People resort to branding others racists when they can't argue against the logical and legitimate arguments that are being made by patriotic, rational people, says Richie in Toker. Uh, and just one or two more. Morning, your interview with Derek was balanced, fair and excellent. But a lot of what he said was correct. Our country is a mess. Way too many people are allowed in. Our government is a joke. And Fianna Gael is the main party influencing immigration. We all know we don't have the capacity to contain numbers. Looking forward to the next election when there will be some real surprises. Um, for every, uh, another one, for every one person who gets asylum in Ireland, another five can come for free, just as long as one gets asylum. So when our government says it will take a thousand refugees, say from Syria, that means five thousand potentially will come over. Shows how wonderful our how, how our wonderful country works. Okay, so there's that's just as the fellow says, the tip of the iceberg. There's more like that. Um, I'll jump in and out throughout the course of the morning. Text 0868104106 for all other business. And don't forget, it's a free food Friday. Your opportunity to scoop uh, lunch for five of you, 15 of you at least, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters Piri Piri. So text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. We'll do some more shout outs in about 10 minutes time. Meanwhile, Pat, good morning. Hi, how are you? I'm good, and thank you, because this helps me to keep things balanced and give everybody an opportunity to voice their opinion. You, we heard our conversation earlier about the state of things inside in St. Vincent's Hostel. I did, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, Anglesey yeah, yeah. Street, the old asylum there. Um, were you there? I was. I lived in a house there, and I lived in a small house, I was renting it, you know, and your man sold it after 11 years. So I had no rest to go, I went to the City Hall, and they told me to go up to St. Vincent's. So I went up there, and... I was, there for about, uh, I was there for a couple of days, about a week, I think. And I was getting up in the morning, he's going to work or whatever, you know. You would, there was fellas going out to work in the morning, but the conditions well, that they're actually living in are pretty rough. There wasn't when I did, you know, they were rough enough, but what I'm saying is that it's not the people who are running it at all. It's the people that are in there, you know. Oh yeah, I mean it's the state of the toilet is because of the use of the toilet. Um, the yeah. um, the did you see did you see needles bins full of needles? I didn't. I seen always vodka bottles behind the toilet seats in the mornings. I wouldn't use a shower room there, you know. I'd go to one of my families and they'd have a shower. Yeah. But when I get up in the morning, I'm just going to use the toilet and okay, just leave the place. But I, one weekend, then I stayed there. Saturday and Sunday I just stayed in the telly room all day on my own and just you know watching the telly but I think the people in Vincent's you know the people who are running out they'd keep an eye on you then to see what you're up to you know yeah yeah. because after a couple after a couple of days and they put me into a bed and breakfast and I was in a bed and breakfast for two weeks and then I got a phone call to come back down to Vincent's I was there with with a chap there the chap looked after me there from uh, Charles Street House right you know, okay do I don't want any oh, names on this now Pat yeah, you're yeah, out, yeah, of, yeah. out of okay. privacy reasons yeah. but I went to the City Hall and uh, we went to Vincent's and we met this girl from the City Hall and a girl from St Vincent's and we did chat and the next day I got a phone call to come to the City Hall 
down to meet this chap in the city hall. And yeah. He offered me a place. He said, we have a place. You know, you want to look at it? And I went out with a look at it. And it's a massive front garden, back garden, small bungalow. And I'm here now three and a half years, and I'm right. happy. And how come you got something so quickly, Pat? I don't know, because I know no one in the city hall. That's the story has got only like no no one. Would it be age related, do you think? I, I don't um, know I don't know your age, incidentally. I'm just I wondering. think no I am fifty eight now, but I was fifty five that time, yeah, no three years. But I think you see, when I went to the bed and breakfast, I was there for two weeks. Get up in the morning, half seven, have your breakfast, go to work. But I used to keep my room spotless, you know, as if if I, 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 it was if I did I never even stepped in the bed, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I fair play to you, yeah. Yeah. And they'd watch you then. I think they'd watch you then to say, how oh, you carry on. And I think that's how I got displaced in what I never know. Yeah, yeah. And you're happy I as a family. I think so, yeah. yeah. Oh, three and a half years now, I'm happy. My own front and back album and happy out, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And would, would, hostels, I, would hostels have a rule about no alcohol? Well, in Vincent's, there's no alcohol. If you come with alcohol in Vincent's, you're out the door. Right, okay. But from what I'm hearing this morning... There's alcohol and drugs and needles. Oh, there is. I see it when I end up myself. I so see it. Is it very hard to police it? Do they have security or anything? No, sure. Because not everybody in there would would want to be living with people drinking vodka bottles and shooting when, up heroin. When you're outside, when you, when you're outside your own room now at night, you could hear them around the landings. And they're, you know, they're people, I think they just, you know what I mean? They're just, they're happiest dally there, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I not. I not. I not the st- know. The situation they find themselves in life, they're happy out in there. You're saying they're happy there. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, all night and shouting and rolling up and down the hall and. But could you imagine if you, you were know. there long term? Well, I wouldn't go across the city harbour bridge. To be honest with you, I was afraid. Why? Because I nearly jump over it. I I I go to river like. Were you very down? Were you were very down in there? Yeah, yeah. Were you thinking yeah, this yeah, is yeah. this is the way it's going to be for the rest of my life? This is it now, and and I, I can tell you, I never ever thought in my life that I'd end up that way. You know. Yeah, working man. And it was it wasn't my fault. So. Of course, it wasn't your fault. Yeah. The landlord sold up. You had nowhere else to go. Yeah, yeah. And even the house that I was living in, I used to be dying with chest infections and everything because you see. It was a cold this house. My brother used to say to me, he said, there was Eskimos living in there and they left. It was so cold, you know. <laughs> I like it. So, I, know, I know, I know. That's what I was living in and I was on inhalers and everything and what I never know, England. Grand, happy and chest and too bad now, you know. Well, I'm delighted for you. I'm glad it worked out yeah, because it yeah, could have been yeah. very, very different. Did you, did you ever think that you kind of dodged a bullet there and you got... I I think it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone was looking down on you, you know? Oh, I know that. I know there was. I know who it was and all, yeah. Who was it? Uh, my mother. Did your mother love you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mother died. Uh, my mother died about just when I moved into the house. My mother died in 2009. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the radio because she she was to be buried in St. Stephen's there. And the funeral was cancelled. Remember the bad weather that time? Oh, the cold one, yeah. And you mentioned you mentioned it on the radio that uh, the funeral was cancelled. It was the only funeral that was cancelled. I saw everybody else was going to be cancelled over the weather. I know, I know. Yeah, so looking down on you, you miss her, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Well, Nate, that's my story. Fair play to Delighted right. for you, Pat. Delighted for you. I just want to say one thing there before you go. You were asking there for a fan. Well, they go, for example, yeah. Yeah. a bell dryer. Oh, I, I have, I have, yeah, I have one of those Beldray vacuum cleaners. They wouldn't, they wouldn't, they wouldn't suck the skin off a sausage. No, but I, I'm a Beldray fan. They know when you would have a sound over it and it's run. Yeah, I think it was a yeah. bit of a joke. They were looking for a, yeah, she was looking for a fan, and some fella says, "Why don't you get a Liverpool fan? They're very quiet at the moment." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 I could do that too. I could say more now, but uh, if he brought us this and he tells me about Liverpool, because <laughs> I'm a, yeah, I'm Tottenham Hotspur. Sports fan. We win it this show. <laughs> good, okay. luck, good luck, good luck. Well, bye bye, bye. Delighted bye, for bye, you, bye. Pat, delighted for you. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Just with regards to Seamus' report yesterday uh, from the streets of Cork, he was out on Wednesday, which was Disability Payment Day, and the dealers were there. They hold on to people's cards, and they give them over their cards. They go in, they get their disability. They come out with the disability from the post office. They give the card back to the dealer. They hand over the money, and the dealer gives them heroin. And it's just getting worse. And many people were critical that it was so obvious, say, on McCartan Street or again then down at the GPO, that it would be like shooting a fish in a barrel for the guards to catch the dealer on the mornings of welfare payments. Um, does any guard listen to your radio programme? Yes, they do. But the individual guards, of course, aren't the ones who are told where to go and when to go there. Of course, that doesn't come from them. Uh, the question is, why are the cops not doing something about open dealing when it's so obvious? There you go. I hope that they are listening because you're shooting fish in a barrel, guys. They're there every morning and the dealers are holding the cards. You know, go get them, I suppose. God forbid if they were banging heroin and drugs into greyhounds up there, there'd be some racket then. It seems as if people don't matter. Listening to the awful state of our once beautiful city, it strikes me that these are the very same drug-dealing scumbag junkies who you say all deserve a second chance. I'm not so sure that I ever said that a drug-dealing scumbag junkie um, drug dealing uh, deserves a second chance but I think anybody who is um, a victim of the scourge of heroin deserves a second chance users deserve a second chance uh, can we just take a moment to congratulate drugs on winning the war on drugs ok I took a moment you have to blame the state for this not the guardie these people at some stage I bet engaged with the mental health services it's a mess at the top HSE needs a private board to run on a profit it would sort it out if they had to make profit. In that interview, you're chatting about to about 29, 39 people. There are thousands of sick people on disability living normal lives. Yes, and not um, handing over their, their um, payment cards to drug dealers. I do understand that. Meanwhile, here's an interesting initiative. Neil, in Australia, the social isn't paid in cash. The recipients are given a card that they can then only use for food and clothing and everything else they need. They cannot buy drugs with it, for they don't have cash. Thank you for those. Um, Richie makes an observation. He says, what I noticed in the last few years is that the age profile of homeless nowadays, when I was growing up, the homeless, or winos, as we used to call them, were nearly all old guys with very few female winos too. Well, along came drugs. Along came the easy importation of the likes of heroin and cocaine and crack cocaine and the abuse of prescription drugs. And then everything, everything changed. Now, uh, just quickly, yesterday I was in conversation with Timmy. We were talking about matters revolving around my conversation with uh, with Derek Bly. And at one stage, he moved into an area that I wasn't 100% sure he was going because he mentioned people by name and was going to talk about Peter Sutherland and he was going to talk about Simon Coveney. 
I had to halt the conversation until I could find out exactly where he was going with that train of thought. Um, I wasn't cutting him off. I was just stopping the conversation temporarily. And I'm happy to say I'm giving Timmy an opportunity now to finish what he had to say yesterday. So, Timmy, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Now, you understand, okay? We're clear on that. It wasn't as if I didn't want to know. I just wanted to be sure of the direction. So, thank you for that anyway, at least, okay? Uh, And thank you for having me back. Not at all. Not at all. So, where you were going with this was 2014, this secret summit in Copenhagen, wasn't it? Yeah, well, Pascal O'Donoghue was at it this year, just to add that into the past. So, essentially, Bilderberg Group was started in in, uh, 1954, and it's a geopolitical think tank. And uh, people are invited to go to the meeting uh, once a year and they devise geopolitical policies which governmental entities then um, bring into uh, their countries. Okay. okay. Um, and, so they, and they come my, back with these ideas which they then could yeah. put into law if people would listen to them and they go, yeah. um, these politicians are heavy hitters in a private capacity. That's correct. So Simon Coveney's, uh, I, I, I emailed Simon Coveney about this uh, a few times and I, that's the response I get. He went there in a private capacity. And they pay their so, own expenses and everything. So they're not representing Ireland. Well, well my, my question is how much influence um, is Bilderberg meeting upon the development of uh, policy that's in Ireland. I understand you know? your concern. I, yeah. you're, you're looking at 140 participants, political yeah. leaders, experts yeah. from industry, finance, academia, yeah. and the media from 22 countries go. Uh, CEOs of, of major multinationals, you know, like uh, the head of GM Europe goes to it. So, like, essentially, Simon Coveney sitting down with the head of GM Europe, the head of Goldman Sachs, the head of all these major corporations and multinationals and they're all sitting down having a nice conversation about what they're going to do for us. Okay, and it's, do you believe it to be clandestine for want of a better term? Well it is, it's, it's known as a secretive meeting like because essentially there's, it's very, like Simon Coveney hasn't produced any minutes from the meeting and what I will say while he did go there on a Saturday in a private capacity the Doyle was still in session it wasn't at summer recess at the time you know Okay. so I think he, I think there is a public interest in Simon Coveney um, uh, uh, coming, you know, giving a, a, a more developed statement on his involvement in that meeting. Okay, and the journal at the time said the secretive nature of the Bilderberg meetings and the elite nature of the guest list means that they've long been the subject of criticism with accusations that the organisation is a mostly white, mostly male networking opportunity and right-wing critics have accused of attempting to promote a world government. Yeah, and I'll take you up on the, you know, like Simon Coveney went there in a private capacity, and I, I'll take you up on, it was mentioned in the Doyle, um, that, and Simon Coveney um, affirmed it, that Simon Coveney is a member of a wealth management fund, yeah. So okay. you know, I don't. Was, I don't. Was, uh, here we're going into area now. That I, I, yeah, I'll send. I'll send there. Uh, send you the see where we're going. That this causes issues for me again. Now, I mean, no, no, notwithstanding the fact that probably even if he is, there's probably nothing wrong with it. But but anyway, could I just okay? Can I just expand the point? What influence did he gain from that meeting? That's the question I want to ask you. So they come back yeah. from these meetings, these think tanks, these private political, um, industry, finance, academia, media yeah. meetings. 
How then do you think it has influenced how we run our country? Well, in 2017, Simon Coveney was made um, a, a Minister of Foreign Affairs and created an initiative, the Ireland, the Project Ireland 2040 initiative, which is to open the, essentially he's going to raise the population of Ireland by migration, okay. is one of the parts of the Ireland 2040. Now, I, if I've we can't issue, get enough people I've to work issue, and they're crying out for people to come and work here, what's wrong with that? Well, okay, what's wrong with it? You raised with Derek about multinationals bringing people in. No problem with that. Why? Because they all have visas. Now, I think on the flip side of that, the I think there's people come, presenting at our border without even a passport. Yeah. So there's two different strands of of migration going on here. There's one that's above board and legal, which I don't think anybody has an issue with. Except but that they have an issue with many people coming in here to work and it's impacting on our lack of housing stock. Yeah, they have an issue with that. Well, I, I personally don't have an issue with someone that presents in a legal fashion, quite honest, but I do have an issue with people presenting with No, but people have an issue with it then when they're looking for, um, they have employment and they then have to find somewhere to live and it impacts on others who are also, and some people go so far as to say Irish first. For housing. Okay. Well, the housing, that's another governmental crisis policy, you know what I mean? Um, I mean, do you understand? Like, that, that's, that's a created crisis. Like, we should be building 32,000 units, uh, homes, units uh, per year. And I think last year it was like 12,000 okay. or something like that, okay? Okay. So, like, there's a major deficit in construction. Now, I work in construction, and the fact that there's a home, there's, there's a requirement for further development in construction. I'm delighted when I hear that, you know what I mean? But yet we're looking well, for is, construction well, workers. Well, yeah, but you have well, no problem is. with that if they present with a passport. That's fine, we've stated no, that. No, no problem, and you have no problem with someone legitimately coming into this country whatsoever. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Um, no, I would say as well, to go back to the other the, uh, point, um, just to expand the Porsche point, you know, uh, about you, uh, the Ukrainian uh, refugees, wartime refugees coming in, driving Porsches. Look, I, I've seen I've seen seven series BMWs, Ukrainian ones, um, on Car Market Street there when I was down in the Bodega. Oh, you see, I, okay, I haven't. You have. I just okay. like to finish, the, but it shows that there is an actual two tier refugee system in this country. Now, I, I sent an email to Christopher O'Sullivan, who's my local TD, right, uh, regarding. If same making the point, if I was in direct division, direct provision for twenty years, and like they're on thirty eight euros a day, um, get, bus fare is discretionary for school going direct division uh, children, mm. and I see another uh, group coming in from a different part of the world, and they're getting special treatment. Like it, it just showed in their shop. Their shop said Ukraine Ukrainians only. You know what I mean? And as an Irish person, I think it's in the Irish zeitgeist that that level of discrimination where it was like, Irish need not apply. And I think Derek has, has got a fundamental point there. Yeah, I'm, not dispu- a, I'm not disputing any of that. Uh, what, uh, the only thing that I'm trying to defend over the past couple of days is the right to push back. Push back against what? Against somebody's narrative and to be able to challenge it and to be able okay. to debate it. <laughs> well, Neil, there was a level of character assassination going on there, you know? I mean, you made the point, um, you made the point, what was this, uh, up, 
to give an opposite view, yeah? And I totally support you in giving an opposite view, but when does the opposite view become an opposite view or character assassination? It doesn't become characterization. What happens otherwise is you just have a free-for-all. You have a free-for-all. I I understand that, but I think linguistically, and you're a trained media person, that linguistically, to me, there is a level of, of defamation going on. Uh, from from some of the words you're using towards an honest, hardworking family man that I know personally, and I worked with him on sites, and he's a he's straight up guy, you know. But what about everybody that gets in touch, and there are many more to come, who disagree with the narrative, and and actually they're the ones calling people names. You know, we, we use the, the racist word, which is one of the lighter ones that are used to describe people well, with an alternative favorite, view. One of my favorite terms that, that's being used at the moment for constitutional Republicans is far right, you know. I mean, I'm personally, my politics, my politics is constitutional republicanism, you know. Um, so I believe in the constitution of this country and I believe in this country was founded on good, on, on a good uh, natural law footing. Um, and I think, you know, there is an element of, uh, what are they called again, um, NGO language coming into, the, being used against constitutional Republicans. So like the NGOs, okay, they get six billion off the government. Wouldn't it be better spent if the government spent six billion on the housing crisis instead of giving it to NGOs? As in non-government Organizations yeah, that deal with exactly. international crises and international aid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. 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 Um, I would like just to finish further another point there. So I raised the point about Peter Sutherland. Now he was the Attorney General of Ireland, um, I think, at some stage back in the eighties, and then he became um, the head of Goldman Sachs, and then he got a nice retirement job in the UN as um, he was a special rep. Uh, for for the Secretary General in relation to global migra- migration, you know. Mm. Now, Simon Coveney went to that meeting in 24 with Peter Sutherland, mm. okay? Mm. Another Irish citizen attending was former Attorney General Peter Sutherland, Chairman oh, of Goldman Sachs. What a heavy, a serious global heavyweight. Like, yeah. come on, he wasn't just like, you know, Mickey McGrath turning up. I mean, like, no offence to any Mickey McGraths out there, but, you know, uh, he was, he's a, he was a serious global entity, you know. He was head of Goldman Sachs. So you have a guy with a family wealth fund, right? And then you've got the head of Goldman Sachs who knows is in, in charge of global migration going to a meeting where one of the, um, one of the talking points was the, uh, the new architecture of the Middle East. You know, what, what, what do they mean by the new architecture of the Middle East? Like, what, 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 is it, does it mean driving population out of the Middle East into Europe? Is that what they're talking about? You don't about? think that at any time when they got together they just wanted to help their own countries, make them better places? Have you looked at the state of this country, Neil? Well, I'm only asking the question. I know. I, I, I really, you, you, you just had half an hour worth of the Keynesian uh, uh, landlords. Yeah. That's a, that is a good description, actually, of where people are living. It's, a, it's totally Dickensian-like. It's Ireland 2022, okay. and you have people that are in the trough that are robbing. Uh, so essentially, for me, uh, just to finish my point, and I'm very appreciative that you've had me okay, on. Okay, not a bother, but we will wrap, so fi- yeah, let's finish. I'll, I'll, ra- I'll wrap here, you know. Um, it's important that people use their voice now because there's so many crises out there. Um, I'm concerned for my own children's future. Um, I'm a law-abiding citizen. I've never been in trouble with the guards. I've my views would be considered far right, but um, 
essentially I'm a constitutional republic Republican and I believe in this country and I believe that the government and I've said it on air to you before are are, are operating uh, unlawfully in this country at the okay. moment. Okay. All right, do stay in touch, Timmy. Uh, covered a lot of ground, but yesterday and we finished it today, and I'm happy for that. Okay. Take care of yourself. Cheers. Thanks again, Neil. Okay, Thanks. text 0868 104 106. Pick up the phone on 0818 I should get one in this side of um, of um, 11, but I need those shout outs if you don't mind, if you can get your hands on them. Martha, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. How are you? Uh, good. Um, now, I'm just on the fly here. Uh, yes, Wednesday, Seamus was in town for Disability Day when there was very, very serious and blatant uh, heroin dealing going on and the possession of people's services cards being handed over. Um, is, is that where you're coming from? That, that really, it would be easy for the guards to pick these people up, is it? I think so, yeah. And I, like a lot of people like to kind of point it out, saying that like, we don't have enough Garda, we don't have enough Garda, that's the problem, you know? I really don't see that as being the problem, to be honest, because if you look at this time last month, just before the bank holiday weekend, you know, the whole week before the the weekend, I could have counted at least 10 squad cars on the road every morning, you know, while I'm out doing my deliveries, everything like that, easily 10 squad cars, no problem. As soon as the bank holiday weekend was over, where are the guards? That was my question. Why, like, why did you I, see so many over Bank Holiday weekend and where? You know, it's just in the city centre. Like a lot of my uh, my morning job kind of requires me to kind of drive around the city centre and maybe to Middleton or to Yall or Bandon and stuff like that, you know. And um, I'm just driving around, just doing my job kind of way. And, um, you know, like I just I just kind of dumbfounded a little bit because it's like it's like you don't see any guards and then all of a sudden you see all of them you know and i'm like it kind of clicked with me i'm like oh look it's the end of the month maybe that makes sense why you know why and why 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 are you making that point about why does it make sense i don't know the the I, I feel like i feel like they have quotas or something that they're trying to meet because I, like even now just on this point uh, i can't remember the last time i saw a checkpoint until this morning and coincidentally we're at the end of the month you know like does that make does that connect? You know, I don't know. Are there actually quotas in point for like the guards and stuff like well, that? Well, I think that with the, you know something just on that point, without going off topic, with the with the automated registration plate tech, technology that they can use now, um, right? You you probably won't see checkpoints anymore. Just yeah, cameras. But where do they have that technology? Car. You know, like how much? Uh, just in Cork, for instance, how many automated registration or vehicle registration plate technologies, like or camera systems, do we have? You know, well, they're trialing one down on the. They're trialing one at the moment on the Middleton Road. I was talking about it earlier on this morning, which literally means that your car by camera will be picked up, and straight away the guard will know whether you have tax, insurance, or NCT. And if you don't, ultimately you'll just get a fine in the post. Probably sure, I guess it's fair, you know, in 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 the, in any way that I see that, you know, I'm like, look, fair play because that will take them off the roads doing this quote-unquote roads policing job where, in my opinion, it's just they're gathering revenue, you know. Um, when If we free them up from taking their hands off of stuff like this, you know, wasting their time pulling people over or you don't have... What did you, what did you say in the text? Pull, if they have enough of know? them looking after traffic offences, can they not have enough of them in the city when there's blatant dealing going on, is it? Exactly, you know, and like any time I see them in the city, they're only driving around, you know, and even now with like, I guess all the changes that are going on in the city center, you know, there's traffic, people are turning down streets, they're not supposed to turn. 
would it be so much task for for one guard standing there directing the flow of traffic so it's not backing up and people aren't causing incidents you know people like to I see like, Gardy on the beat I mean not necessarily directing traffic but out and about they were saying that in Liverpool yeah, this exactly. week with the death of that young girl that people feel confident when they see Bobby's on the beat and in Liverpool they're not seeing them either so we're not alone yeah, in there. like we don't see them and like it makes sense as to why we don't see them because in my opinion, you know, like the Gardaí don't have the power to actually deal with these kind of criminals, let's say, you know, like okay. a lot of them can be very intimidating, you know, like can be big guys or sometimes, you know, like you don't know what country they're from, where they're from, what they know, you know, like what's what their condition they're in, they're yeah, very get aggressive, yeah, yeah. you know, this, okay. that and the other. Right. And if you have one or two guards going over and, you know, like these people aren't necessarily, let's say the fittest people, I'm not exactly slamming the guards now, but like, I'll just put it this way. There, there are a few of them, you know, that I'd say even myself, like I'm not a very fit person, but I could easily outrun them, you know, and it's kind of a shame to say that because I guess the people who are supposed to be protecting you nearly, you're thinking that like they have to be of a certain standard, you know, they go through training and everything like that. But fitness is a part of this as well. Well, you know? let's and hope you never have to try and outrun a guard, but thanks all the uh, same yeah, right there. Okay, know, like, cheers. Okay, no let, me, let me move on. Appreciate it. Thank you. Free Food Friday shout outs for everybody at Smurf at Kappa, for everybody at Little Hands Childcare on Redemption Road, O'Leary O'Sullivan Development, Working Heart and Coppingers, Fields and White's Cross, Acorn Blinds, Glintown Care Centre in Glanmire. Morning to everybody at Donovan Pharmacy in Balafihan, Roadstone Dispatch Team, LC Tiles and Bathrooms in Holly Hill. They will also share with their neighbours at O'Sullivan Brothers, O'Regan Tarma the logistics office and easy living interiors in Little Island they need the food bad it's been a long week Little Island transporting Carrick Tool one or two more for now St Mary's Primary Care Centre and Northside Glass on the Old Mallow Road I'll do some more shout outs just out of 11 this morning Free Food Friday it'll feed at least 15 of you courtesy of ourselves and Roosters Piri Piri Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park so text who you are and where you are to 086 8104 I'm Lana O'Connor Red FM News is first for local national and international news and you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show Free Food Friday shoutouts then for everybody who'd love a munch at the HR and Finance Department of uh, Food Prep in Wilton Morning to you all to everybody Euro Car Parts and Ducloin Industrial Estate Feelings Pharmacy in Blackrock Hall Miss Designer Golf in Blackpool Jar Callan and Electrical are listening Fill up the boys after a turf week why don't you Unique Did I say turf week? Tough week. Unique fit-out. CUH housekeeping crew. Southern Milling on the marina. Everybody at uh, Premet Fabrication on the Pollard of Road. Good morning to Nile and all the gang. Roadstone Truck Drivers in Ballygarvan. McCarthy's Family Butchers in Bishoptown and Grawn. Woodview Park Tallow Waterford Residents Association. Uh, CNS Construction in Mayfield. KP Scanlans in MTU. Red Abbey Crash Repairs. Dorgan Family in Onabwe Course. Cork. Court, I should say, who are listening this morning. Uh, Northside Tires on the Old Mallow Road, Oliver Hayes Gardening Services, and another few to finish for now. Merview Laboratories in Watergrass Hill, the Heart and Vascular Department of the Matter Private are listening. PGB Sports on the Mallow Road, Spar in Wilton, and Dennehy's Health and Fitness at Penrose Dock. Okay, so keep those shout outs coming. Text who you are and where you are to 0868 104 106, and I'll do another bunch of them in about 20 minutes or so. 15 of you, at least 15 of you, would be fed. Courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, uh, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. A uh, lot of texts and emails this side of midday. Mick Mulcahy is here next week, so I need to try and clear up as much as I can. Uh, but what I can't do, of course, Mick will pick up the ball and run with it next week. No bother at all. Samantha, good morning. Good morning. Uh, are you on speakerphone? Can you hear me okay? 
I am. I'm on speakerphone. I can hear you. Okay. Is it possible you could take it off if you don't mind? Would that be a problem? There's something about my phone now at the moment. It's the only way I can hear you. Okay. Well, listen. Stay as you are then, and just uh, and just talk up if you can. Yeah. I, mean, I I know that you are with your your children at the moment. Can I just ask you? Are there any social services involved in your care or your children's care or? Any, any? No, not at all. No, not at all. Okay, no, no social workers, anything like that. No, not at all. Okay, thank you for that. Now, what has happened to you in the last twelve months? So basically, um, I from white cross all my life, um, kind of up by the black man okay. around that area. Yeah, all right. Um, with my mother, my aunt, and it would have been my cousin. We would have all lived together in the family home. Um. But okay, but after that, subsequently was sold. Where did you yeah, find that yourself? Was sold. Yeah, my mother got a house that was fine. Had three bedrooms. Me, and my mother, and my brother. Um, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, the best things that ever happened to me. I had two kids, um, and the box room just doesn't fit for three people. Do you know? So I had to take care of myself homeless, as it's too expensive to even rent a house these days. So, um. I went to Coonley. It was an emergency situation. I went to Coonley. I was there for a couple of months. I think I stayed in Coonley um, Women's Shelter yeah. uh, as an emergency situation for three or four months. Okay, so with, the, with small children? With, with my two kids, yeah. Okay, very um, young? Very young, one and two. Um, I spent Christmas there with them. Um, I was moved to a Dell house on the 10th of January. Right. Um, I was there until the end of May and I was offered a house um, I was offered a house in Mayfield um, it was actually I didn't bid for it on CBL nothing so it was actually offered to me I don't know how but it was offered to me they said I had a choice of refusal for the house um, but obviously in a situation that I'm in I was obviously desperate yeah. um, the day I went up to view the house um, there was a man from the council the way I was treated was absolutely disgusting. Well, I mean, <laughs> let's let's just be careful about that now. Be careful of what you're I saying know, in that regard. I walked in the gate of the house, a girl on my own, viewing a house on my own, and the man said to me, you get it as you get it now. That's exactly what was said to me. It was the first words that came out of his mouth. Um, I didn't know what to say. I got all up in a heap of emotion. And, and but what was it like when you, when he, you, know, you went in then to see what you were getting? Shell. Absolutely nothing. Um, a shell? A shell. Absolutely nothing. There were shutters. There was no windows. Uh, there was no back door on the house. They said they were waiting on a back door. The back door was seemingly robbed off the back of the house. Um, they put me into a rough enough terrace, I would say. Um, the day I was also there viewing the house, there was two young boys from the council. They were actually lovely boys. Um, they told me. They even said to me it was a rough terrace. You know, they actually one of them actually said to me. They wouldn't see their own sister inside in the terrace. Now, like I said, I was desperate, Neil. And I, I know, I know, I know. You were desperate. There wasn't a stick of furniture yeah. in it, and they were saying they wouldn't put Nothing. their sister in there. And you right. had the small little babies with you. That's it. Yeah. And I just want the best life for my two kids. Because um, I'm telling you here now, Neil, if it wasn't for my two kids, I don't know where I'd be, do you mm. know? You wouldn't have the um, will to live. You wouldn't have the will to I go on yourself. No, I know. not a hope, Neil. You were telling the lads that. No. I'm telling you that now. Oh. Um, getting back to it, um, I got the keys of the house and the shutters were taken off and I was given a house with two broken windows. 
there was two broken windows, cracks in two windows in the front room window and the upstairs window. Now, they told me they were ordered and I'd be waiting weeks and I'd hear from them, blah blah The house now also, the back garden and the front garden was completely overgrown, rubbish and glass bottles. But they're not supposed um, to give properties out until they've turned them they around. Are, they're supposed to do them up and brush out the floor, brush out the glass. None of that was done, Neil. So broken glass inside in the front room and stuff? No, no, broken glass outside the front door around the grass where the okay. kids would be playing. Okay. You know, blah So they told me a gardener would, would ring me. Um, but before you moved in, what happened? Um before I moved in um, so basically the day as well I went to view the house um, a house and officer told me to know to put blinds on the house uh, to make it not look so idle so then I kind of had alarm bells ringing I was a bit worried then do you know mm-hmm. um, I was getting the house done I was waiting for my grant I was obviously all excited I had my flooring done upstairs I paid for a fitter to fit the floors I actually got a gardener out myself and someone to do the rubbish myself because I waited so long to to hear from the council for the rubbish. There was so much rubbish taken out of the shed, out the back. You got stuck in, didn't you, in fairness to you? Oh, I got stuck in. I'll give you that. Um, I got the blinds up on the house straight away. Um, And they're not cheap, Neil. Nothing to put a house together is cheap, let me tell you that. Um, And I was two weeks away from moving in, I'd say, because I was waiting for someone to come and do the floors downstairs. Um, so I was going just putting beds upstairs and go winging it with the kids, you know, and doing it as I go. Yeah. And I was in emergency accommodation in Mardike Hall is where they were after putting me while I was waiting to go into my house. Was Mardike Hall free for the summer because the students weren't there, was, is it? Exactly, All that right. was it. Yeah. And um, the house was petrified The house that you had spent all of the money the on that you that were I to move in. All, my, all the grants, that's the grants that I got. All the money that from the grant that I got, um, the house was, someone went into the house, broke the front window. Because they had taken the shutters down, of course. They had, yeah. yeah they yeah. broke the front window, petrol bombed the front the kitchen and petrol bombed the front room. Good God. Good yeah. God. So I got a phone call at half three in the morning um, from Gertie, obviously, and was told what happened to my house and was told not to go till the next morning because forensics and all that would be going and blah de, blah so I left it off and obviously with young kids I couldn't go anywhere at three in the morning but um, what would have happened if you were in the house exactly that's exactly what I'm you know that's and exactly they thought because they saw the state of the house oh, we'll petrol bomb like that mentally, one that's our, and there's like a family mentally now Neil like I'm like mentally now Neil it's like a struggle whether like get into the house and get a fix for me but at the same time then I'm like do I want my kids growing up in a place like that how many how long ago were you talking about the house being petrol bombed um, maybe three four weeks now okay so what did you do the next day I went up to the house obviously to see the damage or whatever um, and it was destroyed the floor and upstairs that I had put down was actually untouched, but the smoke damage all around the house, my blinds were destroyed. Of course, you know? smoke damage does that, yeah. Um, I was just after having a freshly painted, destroyed, you know. Um, so they put me, so basically I was still in Marday Hall, was told to stay in Marday Hall. They boarded up the house with wood, not normal shutters. Now they just boarded up the downstairs, the front door and the kitchen window with wood. Um, 
and haven't absolutely heard absolutely nothing since been trying to get onto the council about my situation or whatever was going to happen since and not one person is ringing me back. And I'm not exaggerating but, about that. But, but I got students, another in-door in Marjay Hall um, about two weeks ago saying that the building was being handed back on the 23rd of August. Now, that was Monday. They need to give it back to UCC for exactly. students to go back. So the, the term is back on. Um, but nobody rang me. Not one person. No, I was getting on, trying to get on to everybody. I tried to get okay. on allocations. Everyone, yeah. they were all leaving messages for me. I all, I all I was getting told I was someone would ring you back. Um, so basically from Monday till yesterday, I was squatting in Marday Call with my two kids because I had nowhere to go. Your family, are your family aware of all of this? Oh, 100%. 100%. But, like, I have to do this for me need to know. I can't be a burden, and my kids can't be a burden on anyone else. Yeah. But I was squatting in Marday Call for three nights, and yesterday I got a phone call back to say, go to a B&B on the Western Road. Um. Now, Neil, I'm not saying I'm ungrateful because I promise I have been so grateful even up to the woman in the BB last night. Everyone I've met along the way has been so nice to me. But in the B&B last night, there wasn't even room, basically. So they had me in a front room in the B&B last night in a single bed and a single bed on a single mattress on the floor. Jeez, that's tough. And I was to move all my stuff yesterday in my car with my two kids on my own um, and to put get put through that basically last night with my kids I didn't get into the B&B till about 10 o'clock last night and you have it till Monday is it? I have it till Monday yeah. but God love us the woman in the B&B she's so lovely she told me she'd give me a bigger room tomorrow it was just for tonight it was an emergency that they had no room that they got onto her only at have to yesterday. So you, so she can't, she she can't let you stay longer than Monday, though, can she? I don't know. Okay. Because I if that know. if that doesn't if that doesn't happen, then you're back to uh, Coon Lee or you're back to Edel House, are you? Exactly. Yeah. How old are the children now? One and two. So they haven't a clue what's going on, really, do they? No. Do you know what? No, it's very sad. My daughter actually. Um, like, you wouldn't believe it. You know, when my daughter wants to go somewhere, she's like, we bought the car. She wants to go home. Everywhere is Kwan, let's go home. She doesn't know what home is. Home could be Coonley. Home could home be Adele House. Home could be the b She wants to go home. It could be going to the park for her. You know, she wants to go home. She just wants to go somewhere else. That's what it means to my daughter. She wants to go home. She wants to go somewhere else. Anywhere you are, she wants to go home. I know, I know. It doesn't sit right with her. Yeah. Even at that age, it doesn't sit right with her. Yeah. I'm telling you, I feel so guilty, Neil. I don't know what to do. I'm at my wit's end with the whole lot of it. Like, I, I, I'm giving up, like, you know. And it's like, you're screaming out for help and you're making the phone calls and you're putting in the effort and you're just being ignored. What does know? it tell and you about someone, people that someone, that petrol bomb properties? In the B&B, just like the woman told me in the B&B yesterday that they rang her a half to yesterday. So from Monday to Thursday or even two weeks before that where I was anxious sick to my stomach and getting anxiety attacks Neil over where I was going to stay after the 23rd um, so I just stayed there because to be honest there was no one knocking at the doors no, no why would you leave unless it, oh, and come here you're right 
to stay you know there. I mean? Your responsibility is to yourself. Don't worry about mine, you know. But did somebody eventually come knocking, yeah? Like, Neil, I'm supposed to, like, my daughter is two and I should be putting her into a crash or whatever, you know, and I can't because I'm not stable enough. We don't, we don't know where we are today today, so it's very hard, you know, we're living out of bags. We're actually living out of my car a year. I mean, I don't want to be pointing fingers on anyone, but uh, the, the response to this is the thugs and the tow rags that petrol bombed your oh, house. 100%, 100%. Now, I got um, a pulse number letter. That's what I got from the guard side of things because, that, you know, they obviously took statements from people in the terrace and whatever, but they can't. There's not much more they can do, you know. What? Like, how do we rare people that grow up to be young people or adults and go around burning people's houses not knowing whether there's you know? people in them or not because they think it's fun I mean like I, me and like, my kids were in the house and he, like it's, that's, they've got to pass vandalism at that stage like I think in my mind that's, you know? that's manslaughter murder yeah 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 arson like I mean it's arson it's just great fun let's go and torch somewhere that's it, like, and I was saying to my mum, like, and I was saying to my aunt, you know, like, how how am I going to move back into that house, like, and be mentally, how can I, how would I be able to sleep? No, that smoke damage would make that uninhabitable for quite some time. Like, how would I be able to sleep? Have you gone know? down to homeless services at City Hall and just rocked up? Um, not particularly, Neil, because... But what are you going to do come Monday? Come Monday, I'm, they told me they'd get someone to ring me Monday, but obviously... That didn't happen last Monday, so I'd be waiting on a phone call Monday now as well, I'd say, you know. Do the kids know that you get very upset? Oh, yeah, the kids, the, Neil, I'm crying since they're born, you know. Honest to God, I'm crying since they're born. And without, without, go, dr- without drilling into too much detail of this, why are you alone? Where's the dad? Their dad, we're separated really since my daughter's born. Okay, but, um, well, all right, okay. Very good. Like, I do get a break with my kids. He's very good. He's okay. like, the family's very good with my kids. Do you know, I can't complain there. But somebody has to help you and take you in. Someone needs to come in and say, listen, come stay with us for now. Come on. Yeah, it's just, I understand. It's just not solving the problem. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, you were so happy and excited. Your new home and the flooring so was done and the blinds were done. I God, I knew I was like, Road wasn't going to be built in a day. I was going in with the floors done upstairs. I was going to do it bit by bit. I was so excited, me. Honest to God, everyone was so excited for me. It was like the light at the end of the tunnel. And now I'm like back to square one, you know? I mean, I'm certainly happy to make calls on your behalf. Um, and you never like know. I'm looking at the Ukrainians. They're, they're, they're protesting inside in town. Now, I'm not one for fucking judging anyone. Needs. I don't know and that I, that was a protest. I think that was marking I, the, I totally understand the anniversary of their independence. Where they're coming from. Like, I don't judge anyone, but like, protesting for homes. Like, our own are homeless. Like, our own are, very, are really, really struggling. Need. And, and another thing, need. I'm still getting charged rent for that house in Mayfield that I never even lived in. It's still coming out of my money every week, Need 40 euro out of my money every week is coming out, and I didn't even live in the house yet. Is there much work to it, do you think? Well, there's plaster in the kitchen falling off the roof, and the electrics are all burnt. And <sighs> not habitable in the short term no it's not no, no. I'm mentally Neil I don't want to go back into the house you know is that one of the kids there where are you now I'm in my car there no Neil I'm actually on my way for breakfast somewhere because we're in the B&B you know you know in those B&Bs you don't get breakfast do you not really no no 
I know. I know. Um, where do I go with this, Sam? You know, how can we help? What can we? What can people do apart from listening horror and shame? I just think our own people really have to start standing up for our own. I really do. I feel like our own are just being ignored. I feel like, like where is the sovereignty of the Irish people anymore? Will you come back on Monday to the lads here and let us know what's happening from Monday? I will, of course, yeah. And I know it's difficult for you to try and stay positive, you know, but think of your two beautiful children and the importance of but them to you. Me, like, if, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have a smile on my face, you know. All right, listen, come back on Monday and let's see if there's any updates. We'll make some calls in the interim period. Who knows? Somebody might be listening to this right now and might want to intervene or help. You never know, all right? Yeah, perfect. All right, Sam. Thanks for sharing your story. Hang in there. Thanks very much. Neil. All right. Take care for now. All the best. Cheers. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Uh, While well, I accept that you must challenge people on these so-called controversial topics of immigration and multiculturalism, you likewise never challenge people who express the opposing position on the subject of migration and multiculturalism. Quite the opposite, in fact. Why is multiculturalism believed to be a positive by default when this belief runs contrary to the evidence that we have at the moment? Surely we must be free to explore the negative aspects of immigration and multiculturalism as well as the positive aspects. Over the course of nine years prior to COVID, 9,200 deportation orders were issued at the cost of millions. Yet the Office of the Minister for Justice interceded on their behalf five and a half thousand times. How is this fair and sustainable? You yourself have engaged in overturning legal deportation orders. Not that these deportation orders are worth the paper they're written on anyway, by the way, since the execution of these orders is currently entirely voluntary, says Richie. Uh, It's true, Ukrainian people have amazing big cars in Killarney, 5.5 litre Jeeps, Audi SQ7 Jeeps, Mercedes cars. They can be seen either down by the church in a free car park or else the car park behind the Plaza Hotel parked up there. I also saw a convertible Mustang last week. Look for yourself next time you and Kerry. It's a joke, says James. I don't understand what the problem is with Ukrainians driving fancy cars. They had their life set up in Ukraine and they worked for those cars. Maybe those Ukrainians have made it to Ireland via self-travel. They could have driven themselves from Ukraine to Ireland and I don't see the problem. They worked hard before the war for the luxury cars they have. What's the problem here? Yeah, I don't think anybody really... I mean, obviously they drove them here. Like, nobody gave them them. They're their cars with, with their own regs. As to how it looks optically for Irish people who are homeless or penniless or potless. That's another story entirely. What the email accused you of was very wrong. Well done for reading it out, says Rose. No, I mean, I have no problem with the... Per- I mean, it's unfortunate you get you get a bashing like that, but it comes to the territory. Um, but I, I always kind of say to myself... Don't don't worry about it too much because you always get it from both sides anyway. So you can't win. You know, the, the whole idea is to have conversations and have debate. Uh, I sent you a virtual hug after the show yesterday. You will never win on these topics. Keep your vibe high and stop justifying yourself. Uh, what show would it be like if you allowed everyone say what they want and agreed with everybody? Well, that's the point. You, you can't just let everybody on and agree with everything everyone is saying. You'd be criticized for that as well. Thought you handled it well, says Lou. Thank you. That's kind. Thank you. Put a smile on my face. You definitely need to be treated like a punching bag. Keep up the good work. Uh, Mind you, others say Derek did have some very valid points. There is a sinister agenda to all of this coming straight from Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. 
Uh, I for one, says Rose, I'm very glad that shop in Merchants Key has closed. The Irish have to come first. Um, another one, it's so important to speak about this. Just let the visitors know that we're all not all stupid here. Uh, I think you did a good job when talking to Derek. I thought you were fair and balanced. Another says, it's totally irresponsible of our government to have unvetted and open policies in immigration, as this will allow all types into the country, including undesirables and those who will cause trouble. We're only a small island nation. Our government's unable to facilitate our existing population with health and housing over quite a number of years, says Jim. And we have examples of that this morning with the two ladies on the air um, from uh, the Glen Ryan area and also um, Sam, who finds herself in an awful situation. She had a dream home only for, only for scumbags to come along and petrol bonnet. Um, I think your job involves having to be the voice for both ends of the scale. This is why Irish people are not speaking out because they end up being called racist if they speak out. But come voting day, we can get rid of this disgrace of a government Unfortunately for the poor Irish people, they'll have to watch for another few years, but our day will eventually come. So that's just a selection at this stage. Um, uh, I will run out of time, but uh, a lot of this I will revisit, I promise. If I haven't got an email or a text, I'll try again between now and midday, I promise you that. But if I don't get them all on the air between now and midday, I will revisit again. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. I just won now in an effort to be balanced and give all sides. I uh, hope you're keeping well. I am contacting you as an Irish person from Cork on behalf of the Ukrainian community in Cork. And this is an email that was also sent to the CEO of Red FM uh, by way of complaint. Uh, from Robert Buckley. He says, Today, the 25th of August, you're Derek Bly on your show speaking about Ukrainian refugees and volunteers in a Cork hub. Firstly, uh, in the hub, I found it very distasteful uh, in Merchants Key um, uh, the day that he took those items. He then posted an edited video online making various comments about them, which are untrue. Uh, the people are volunteering and the items in the premises were donated by the people of Cork. He also turned up at our event uh, as in the Ukrainian event in Fitzgerald's Park to celebrate Independence Day and we found it intimidating and he was again making videos. Yesterday was their day to celebrate, as in Wednesday, and to be there with their fellow Ukrainian people, not having to hide from missiles and bombs in Ukraine. I don't really understand why you give people like that time on air. It is, is it for the noise it makes? Is it good for your ratings? Have you seen the videos and the online posts from this person? Yes. The Ukrainians um, community in Cork really feel terrible today hearing this. My wife is Ukrainian and has been here for over 20 years and many others also. Their hub was to help people and is closed now because of him. The new Ukrainian refugees have no place to get items that they may now need. Are you proud of the fact that you're giving him the platform to promote his views? He doesn't speak for the people of Cork. This is not the way we welcome people in need in Cork. Kind regards. Uh, says Robert. Well, um, I did have him on the air and of course it all did start from the fact that he went to the hub in Merchants Key and that subsequently was closed because of his visit. It's a story that needs covering. Um, you say that uh, he doesn't speak for the people of Cork. Unfortunately, I have to tell you, Robert, that isn't true because by virtue of the amount of people that have been pushing back to me, he does speak for a section of the people of Cork and they have been contacting me for two days to say that. So unfortunately, um, you know, I'm not taking sides on this, but I have to say uh, there is an amount of people who actually do believe um, that it's gone absolutely crazy now 
and that the Irish people should be put first when it comes from the point of view of housing or health. I'm not saying that that is right, nor am I saying I agree with it. I'm not sitting on a fence here. I The one thing that has been motivating me over the past couple of days is that this does not turn into hate or that this does not cause trouble. Um, and on that basis, uh, I, I walk a very, very thin line here. And, and on that basis, have to be very much um, engaged in balance, fair play, freedom of speech, absolutely driven by freedom of speech, but also to keep a handle on things and to push back uh, and have tough, robust conversations. But enough of me. Um, you're entitled to your opinion, and I've read it out on air for you. Um, you were disrespectful. You didn't get 30 minutes on air when you spoke to Derek Bly. You constantly interrupted him twisted everything he said. You see where I'm going with this, Robert? Two sides to everything. You were trying and allowing others to come across as being racist. Our fathers and grandfathers were born here. He wants Irish first. Name one other country who doesn't, but their own first. If any of your children or family members, for whatever reason, ended up on substances, got a place and was then thrown out for Ukrainians, you wouldn't be long coming off your high horse. Disgusted at your treatment. Again, he did not get 30 minutes airtime. You ended up hijacking most of it. Very disappointed, long-term listener. You were so one-sided. Maybe listen back to yourself. All you've done is give Derek more support. I agree, for one, with everything he said. You've let down the people of Cork and Ireland. Of course, you'll come back with some stupid response. Keep the Irish down. Keep letting more into the country who probably couldn't even have picked Ireland out on a map two years ago. You're not always right. In fact, you are very, very wrong. And that's from Deirdre O'Donovan by email to neil at redfm.ie. Listening to Derek on your show, I want to draw attention to a post he made on his Facebook page. This man claims that he deals in facts. However, he has posted a video of Ukrainian people on their Independence Day march claiming that they were demanding housing, which is clearly false. It seems all this person wants to do is incite hatred. Just wanted to make you and your listeners aware of that fact says Wendy Heffernan by email. And, and one thing I love about the emails is none of them are saying, don't give up my personal details. Um, what a brilliant radio experience yesterday's program was. Congratulations on airing it. Keep up the good work, says Danny O'Riordan. Um, today was the best show ever. Um, this is the epitome of talk radio. All sides heard. And the only loser is Neil. Well done. Excellent, says Frank. So thank you for all of those. From one Frank to another, actually. From yesterday's uh, conversations on air, following uh, Seamus's report from McCurtain Street and around the GPO on Disability Day and the handing out and selling of heroin. Uh, Frank, good morning. Morning, Neil. Po- I'm good. There was a point made there earlier on that they say that in Australia disability isn't, isn't handed over, or welfare isn't handed over in cash. I, I wonder is that true? As far as I know, it is. No, I wouldn't be 100 percent right. No, but nor, I nor am I, and, I. and I just flagged that. I haven't had a chance to fact check it. But exactly. Anyway. But but I think it's actually a good idea. Um, pay payments go onto your card, as in social welfare card or bank card, whichever. And you have to use that then. But what can you? How can what can you use it for though? Anything that is legally sold. Yeah. If yes, if you want to have a drink, if you want to buy cigarettes, could you use it to have a drink, like or to buy food, or to buy a pair of shoes, or to get a six pack? Sure, why not? Okay. Okay. But the one because thing you I mean, wouldn't be able to use it is cash to buy drugs. 
you wouldn't be able to use it for anything that's not legally sold in a shop. Right, okay. So, okay. I mean, where I'm going with that is that, okay, I know that people will put in the argument it shouldn't be allowed to be used for alcohol or with say, cigarettes. But who are they but to so, tell somebody who's on a disability exactly, or welfare that they can't have exactly, a pint? Exactly. And, I mean, if you're going down that road, for people who say that, you could probably add in conflicts because of the sugar content. Yes, or yeah. Where do you draw the line on that pre- narrative? You only draw the line at anything that is legally available over the counter in any shop in Ireland. You can use it for, which would cut out this chap or these fellas on McCartan Street or the GPO taking the cards. They'd be of no use to. But I don't want to. I don't think you do either. I don't want a society where we would tolerate somebody saying, "Oh, you're on a disability payment or you're on a welfare payment, so we are going to give you a card and you cannot buy a packet of fags." But I'm not saying that. No, I know you're not saying saying that. that. But do you think that people do think that? Oh, yeah, but but, I mean, that was the narrative for years. It it was actually proposed. It it must be 10, 15 years ago. No, I don't don't want them loading up trolley loads of slabs either, but I want people to... But if they want to, Neil, that's their choice. It's it's a legal substance. That's their choice. If they want to spend every penny of their money, be it unemployment, disability, carers, whatever... If they want to load up their trolley with packs of cans, that's their choice. But what they can do is buy something that's illegal. Yeah, but it says somebody was on a welfare payment and they literally were filling up a trolley with slabs of cans and bottles of vodka. They're technically never in a position to look for work on that basis because they're constantly liars. Well, you see, that's the problem in Ireland is that with job seekers... Is a stupid name for us because we all know people have been in job seekers for 10 years or more. So they're not seeking a job anyway. Okay, be good to do some research. I won't be here, but the lads can research the different countries that do operate a card system where it's not. I, I think you're right stuff. about Australia, actually. But, but you see, because Willie, Willie up in Spar was saying in the report, Seamus' report, and he's a good guy, Willie. He, he really is. I know him well. He's been attacked a few times for people coming in out of it, but he says that on a number of occasions, he knows of people who are tapping on the streets. And it's not for food or a night in a hostel, it's for drugs, and that we are funding their habits. Um. He's right and he's wrong. Neil, if I have a few bob in my pockets change and I'm going through town, I was trying so, you know, a bit of spare change at that chap who's sitting in a doorway. And I don't mean the organised beggars. I mean, the fellow you know damn well. I do know the ones you're talking about. Well, what if they go and buy a bag of heroin with that money when they have enough of it? When they have enough money (laughs) gathered from your few pence, they buy a bag of heroin. Neil there um, or they're buying maybe enough to make two or three or four cans you know it's a sickness um, I don't know will, I mean the drug war is lost it's that simple mm. Mm. so it's either a case of cut it out completely by not giving cash or Legalize it. Okay, nice one. Thanks, Frank. Appreciate it. All right, Neil. Okay, take care. Pal. Have a good weekend. Uh, on the subject of drugs in the city, I love listening to your show, particularly the morning topic and Seamus' reports. They need to build a few more treatment centres because the wait for treatment these days is at least months. More importantly, after care programmes when people come out of treatment. It also has waiting times, long waiting times. These people who are in full-blown addiction need help.
need a helping hand and to be shown a bit of love and affection. They need to have break that horrible habit. Uh, thank you, Neil. Have a great day. Um, morning, I spent the weekend in Italy on a city break and Neil, the difference. I walked safely around at night with my kids. No harassment, no junkies um, and plenty of armed police. Um, Texter uses the word junkie, not me. Uh, plenty of armed police. Uh, would I do it here? Not a chance. I walked up Patrick Street last Wednesday night, 8 p.m., and I was abused by four people who were off their heads because I didn't have a lighter. 8 p.m. Wednesday night, Patrick Street. Our country is a joke when it comes to junkies. If they want help to change their lives, I'm all for paying for that. But paying for them to shoot up, forget about it. My kids also hate walking around the city and ask never to go back in after one afternoon after seeing two junkies first shoot up on the steps in the car park uh, while we were walking to the lift and secondly, beat each other up on Oliver Punker Street while we ate lunch outdoors al fresco. That's what we witnessed. Uh, like I said, a joke. We need to arm our guards and police our streets with zero tolerance, like I saw in Italy. The more I looked at our country and what our tax money is spent on, the more I've already started to tell my children that once you're educated, we will all leave. The less you do here, you see, the more you get. And forget about being successful as you're just seen as a greedy high earner. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. Yeah, that was the week that was when people did get it off their chest. Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Perry Perry Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. Too late now to text. Here's the last bunch of shout outs. Good morning to everybody at Sodexo Irving Oil in Whitegate, to O'Driscoll Motors in Inniscarra, to Tails and Tubbs Grooming in Douglas, working hard all week. Everybody at Shipping Solutions based in the Tivoli Docklands. It's way too long to give a shout out to all of you, but good morning to everybody down there, especially Martin and Andrea and our extremely hardworking staff. Southern Pumps Limited in Dublin Hill. Next Gen Facades in Mallow. Morning to Patrick and everybody. Have a great weekend yourself. House of Hair in Kinsale. Audi Bandon Road. City Tiles and Bathrooms Warehouse in Toker. All about gorgeous beauty salon in Black Rock. O'Leary's Lissada Volkswagen. Topman Barbers. The HSC, uh, particularly Megan and everybody working in Father Matthew Key. Hone, uh, sorry, Honey Brown's Hair in Ballancolic. Uh, everybody working in Chesney Roofing Limited in Shanakil. It says Shankill here. I hope I'm mispronouncing it. O'Callaghan Agri Services would love to win as they're flat out at the silage and the grain in Nokraha. And we give my mum a day off for making and delivering food to them, says Paddy. I love it. So they're the last shout-outs. We'll pick a winner in the next four or five minutes' time. And someone's going to win food for at least 15 people. Feed even more than 15, courtesy of ourselves in Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So good luck to everybody in that regard. Now, one or two bits and pieces before I go. Uh, I believe Paul Byrne sent me a lovely screen grab this morning, in fairness to him, from Virgin Media News. He says, today... Um, sent to me yesterday, which means that today, I'm open to correction, is International Dog Day. It is today. Can we just double check that it's not tomorrow and that it is today? But it was a lovely photograph of somebody getting married. That's fair enough. Um, but yeah, it is. Thank you. It's today. Today is International Dog Day. So um, somebody got married by the name of Eileen and she got married to David, but her bridesmaid, her bridesmaid was Melanie. Except Melanie is not what you think. So, very quickly on this one. Eileen, good morning. Hi, Neil. Uh, congratulations. Thanks so much. When, <laughs> when was the actual big day? It was on the 14th of July. 14th of July. So, it took a while before I saw the photograph. Melanie, your Labrador retriever, was your 
Bridesmaid. <laughs> she was, yeah, she was. Um, I thought she was a big part of her day. Um, we brought her up then to our venue in Kilchane House after, um, and she stayed with us there for the two days. I have to great. ask you why she was your bridesmaid. Oh, Neil, she's... Um, I love her to bits. Um, she, <laughs> she, um, she's my best friend. She comes everywhere with me. Um, all right. She comes to see all my friends and everything. No, the church had yeah. no problem. The pristine had no problem. The hotel had uh, no problem. The priest, the priest was kind of unsure at the start because he was saying usually you bring the dog after the ceremony. So I was saying that I wanted her at the actual ceremony so she was waiting for me at the top of the altar when I got up <laughs> <laughs> so was she at the top with David waiting for you to come up yeah right. she was yeah. did she have yeah. any official role to play in the wedding what do bridesmaids usually do except <laughs> apart from looking gorgeous <laughs> she was looking gorgeous um, and that was about it but I think um, she kind of relaxed everyone on the day and she definitely took the pressure off me they were more they were more concerned about her <laughs> so it was great it was like she great doesn't fantastic. have any role to handing over of rings or vows or anything no no she's too old now um, she's 15 so she was she was lying down in her bed at the top of the altar it's kind of I think it's a lovely way to, to round off a contentious week of radio programming and thank you for that where, where did <laughs> no yourself problem. and David meet we met um, in Mayfitz's in Lazarda. I love um, the food so, there. Do you love the food there? Yeah, um, my dad actually owns it, so <laughs> I'd be there quite a bit. <laughs> I'm sick of the food there now. <laughs> oh my God. And was it true yeah. that David didn't particularly like dogs, is it? No, not really. So I suppose I moved in with David and um, I, I asked him, could I move Melanie in as well? <laughs> And uh, he said, you can, but she's not staying in the house. You'll have to buy a shed for her. So I went away and I bought a shed for 350 euro. And she stayed in it for 10 minutes. <laughs> and, and she yeah. broke him down. Yeah, he absolutely adores her now. Oh, like, I yeah, love so. it. Well, congratulations yeah. to you all. I wish I had more time Thanks to chat, you. but delighted for you. Well done. <laughs> Neil, yeah. can I just give a shout out to the um, dog spa as well? Because... Um, <laughs> They did me a favour the day before the wedding, so um, I know they're after opening a new premises in Toker, so well done. Um, the guy that owns it there is The dog brilliant. spa awesome. made Melanie look a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, yeah, perfect. Okay, Thank take you. care. All the best. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Last bit of business this morning. We are on day 30 of Project 32, which is a marathon a day, every day, that Conor O'Keefe set out to do, and he is, although I hate using the term, smashing it. He joins me by phone. Morning, Conor. How are you doing, Neil? How goes it, my friend? Today, according to my calculations, you should be in Wexford with three pounds on your back. That's exactly the case, yeah. Oh I'm, inside, I'm in Wexford there now, near Clogherclough Beach, um, just running around the place until I hit that magic number of, of uh, a marathon. How is it going? Firstly, any injury, any niggles, anything? Uh, yesterday, I had a bit of a scare with my hamstring. All right, um, towards the end of it, I had to slow up majorly. But uh, luckily, I had my coach there, uh, fit for long, uh, Donica, there to 
kind of help kind of um, rub out things uh, yesterday and kind of get me all, you know, give me a little quick service before I uh, before I started the engines up today. So. Do you remember when you started out first in Dublin with 32 pounds on your back and every day you shed a pound? Can you recall that weight by comparison to three pounds? Oh, it's just unimaginable. Like, it really feeds into the whole idea of the project, like, you know, of, you know, the sh- sharing of problems, sharing of, of these thoughts and these issues that we have does make us lighter. It makes our, our, our days easier. And that's exactly what's happening. Like, I've run some quite quick marathons by anybody's es- estimation there now over the last couple of days. And it's because the load has been, has been lifted from my shoulders and I'm able to just drive it on now and, and get okay. the car. That, I, I like the way you're going with that, the analogy of lifting a load, because this has all to do with people who are down or depressed or have issues in their life, and you're raising the money for Pieta, aren't you? And you're 57 grand already raised. It's a phenomenal amount of money. Yeah, no, we're, we're, look, we're incredibly pleased uh, to have the uh, to have so much uh, funds raised for Pieta House, like, you know, and it's so important um, that, uh, you know, we, we're... we're not only raising funds, but we're actually raising just awareness and sending a, a positive message out there as well for, for everybody. You know? I know what you're saying. Now, tomorrow, of course, is Waterford with two pounds and then the big finale back to Cork with the last pound. I mean, will yeah. you be relieved when it's over? Has it been harder than you thought? You know what? I think, to be honest with you, the road to get to the start line was actually, was actually even harder uh, than actually doing Project Tur- once I started, once I got on the road, I'd have so many people there, like so many people involved supporting me that it would be almost impossible for me to fail. Um, and that's been the case. You know, we've had such human kindness given to us everywhere we go, which really has, uh, you know, uh, it's made this so much easier than I even thought because, um, you know, I've been through a lot um, in the build up to this. There's been a lot of setbacks. There's been a lot of kicks in the mouth. A lot of things have gone wrong, mm. um, and it was just kind of like it it, it, it had built up uh, so large in my mind that by the time we got to the start line, by the time I towed the line in the first day in Dublin, I knew that in 32 days' time, I'd be back down in Cork and I'd be doing the Cork And marathon. you did it, and you're doing um, it, and you've only got another two or three days. Sunday, you finish. Uh, what are you going to do Monday? You don't have to drag yourself out of bed. Um, I, you know what now, right? I actually, one thing I will have to say live on air is, is that I, I, I put out a challenge to, um, to everybody that follows me, to all the people that have helped support me and donated and shared that if we actually reached our target of €100,000, euro, that I'm actually, I'd actually put every single pound back into the vest and I would run the last marathon with the first day's weight. So I'm going to say that out to everybody that's listening to you guys as well, that if, you, if there is people that want to see that happen, to, to donate to the link, you know. And, okay. um, and the link is www.idonate.ie forward slash project 32 to drive that yes. goal upwards and onwards between now and Sunday and indeed thereafter. Yeah. I mean, leave the link. I can't wait to see the, the podcast docu at the end of this. The lads are following you with cameras. That'll be great to see that yes. one is put together. Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be tremendous to have something like, it's a great a- a- advertisement for, for Ireland as well. We've, seen some of the most beautiful corners of this island uh, while we've been doing this uh, project as well and it's just been Highlight, okay been a, final been question for now highlight so far yeah. highlight so far um, I would say that the highlight of the whole trip was um, when I was in Kildare I got to hold my partner's hand my partner is seven 
seven months pregnant. So she's she's been very patient with me in getting this whole project done. And uh, I got to hold her hand and finish out the last two kilometres walking with her uh, in Kildare. And What's her name, with, man? What's her name? Her name is Mel, Melissa McDermott. Um, and uh, she, she, like, she, it's, it's absolutely amazing. We know that we're having a son uh, and it's amazing that he's already been a part of one of his dad's adventures, you know, before he's even been born. That's and, some uh, fabulous highlight. Well said. Anymore. Well done. Yeah. All right, my man. Good luck today, tomorrow and Sunday. We look forward to welcoming you back on Lee's side. Have a chat with Mick Mull next week. All right. Look after yourself, Connor. Don't break a leg. <laughs> Uh, cheers. Thanks very much, Neil. Take care. If you'd like to donate, www.idonate.ie forward slash project 32. There's 57 grand raised for Pieta so far. The co- the goal, of course, is 100,000 euro. 57,000 is an incredible amount of money. It would be great to be able to drive it upwards. Okay, could I have the Free Food Friday winner? Uh, I think it's all sorted. They may well be on the phone as well. Let's see if we can get Michaela from the logistics office of Easy Living in Little Island. Michaela, good morning. Good morning, you. You took some time out from your busy morning. Have you built up a bit of a hunger, have you? We have. We're starving down here. How many of you? Let's just find out how many. Give me a big shout out. Big cheer. <laughs> ah, that's only two. Are you wasting my time? No. <laughs> ah, no, that's only three. Come on, guys. On the count of three. One, two, three. <laughs> I, I guarantee you there's no food unless I get a real humdinger of a scream <laughs> <laughs> that'll do me nice now, I think it's all female have you any men working down there feeding <laughs> <laughs> alright well food's on the way have a great weekend congratulations to Easy Living in Little Island alright perfect thank you make sure it's where husband is coming to is it <laughs> I thought you were going to say, make sure that it's hot. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where you are, but we'll find you. We always do. The Red Patrollers are on the way. That's Free Food Friday for this week. I should have somebody did say, make sure it's hot now. Have a good weekend. Mick Mulcahy is here next week. I'll see you the week after. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.